1: Hello, friends. You're now listening to the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You never knew was two of those things.
2: I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. (laughs) So, no pressure. Bo Bishop,
1: a regional media icon. Winner of Purveyor of the good life.
3: Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I just I'm said I'm it, it on the radio. That. Also,
1: two guys this company named employee of the month.
2: What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Look sure. it up. Because it's Hulk sure. Hogan. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. I and mean, he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop, Bishop and Friends. All right, let's do it live on a Monday edition of the program. bone the boys with you for the next three. Austin Ward will Join us at ten thirty three. Sam Monson, PFF, going to join us at eleven thirty three. We'll blitz the weekend at eleven o'clock. Obviously, the football takes center stage. And I, as I was, the way that the youth sports worked yesterday, we were done early morning time it was done by noon and and so we i had like a full afternoon which was cool so we're able to go uh do the groceries and and get kind of that set up and then kind of lock in for the football for the for the six seven hour period that it that it went on and as as you're watching it and as i was reflecting on it last night and even into this morning I think what we are witnessing is the peak of the NFL. I think you have peak NFL right now. You have um, these championship games that, that happened yesterday. Both were classic games. The NFL has an ability to almost spin any story and make it interesting to all of us. And betting helps and fantasy football helps and, and all of those things for sure. But we are so intimately aware of of these teams, even if they are not in our market. Um, and then the drama that they provide on a given Sunday, and in this case there was a ton of it in Championship Sunday, is second to none. And when you get back to the conversation about this being the peak of the NFL, it's also peak juxtaposed to the rest of its competition. And you have to remember, the NFL's competition isn't just college football or NBA or Major League Baseball. It's all entertainment. It's all of it. It, it, it encompasses all of it. It's, it's competing against everything and it's winning hand over fist week after week, year after year. And the gap is just getting bigger. More and more people watching the NFL. Everybody else is kind of receding, with the exception of of college football. And on the rare occasion where you get a streaming show or a uh, one of the shows on the prestige channels that that kind of takes off, but that's so rare. I mean, we spent so much time talking about succession. It was like three and a half million people a week were watching it. Uh, the last true like phenomenon on on like over the air even pay channels was probably Game of Thrones or Yellowstone. Those were in the fifteen million or eleven million. These games are going to do 50 million people. They're going to do 50 million people. They're going to do 10 times an NBA finals game. Um, it, this is, this is dominance, the likes of which we've never seen. And what you most of the time get at the NFL when it comes to championship weekend is, you get classic games and, and we got classic games again. These were both great. You, you're not going to get George against TCU. They're not going to run up to some, you know, some of the things that college football happens at the end of the year where you don't necessarily always get a great game that entertains you. The NFL does. It delivers. And this was, this was thrilling theater and there's no end in sight to it, folks. This is, this thing is king by, by such a wide margin right now, and there's nobody even approaching it. Um, and yesterday was a perfect example of it. Just think of the storylines that you had. I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes who is on the trajectory now that boy, the the problem with the Brady trajectory is you didn't know that it was a trajectory when it was happening early. You didn't mm-hmm. realize it till late because they weren't winning because of him early. It was later that you realized at towards the end, I mean, to, to, to be in the spot he's in, at, at this age, and to be chasing a third Super Bowl already and having and played in another one, it's stupefying stuff. On the Ravens' side of it, you think of Lamar Jackson and the bet that he made on himself. He bet on himself. He had no agent. Anybody in the NFL could have had him, and yeah, they probably colluded to make sure that nobody did, but he ends up going back to Baltimore and he has them on the precipice of beating this monster Chiefs team at their place. They, they don't really play that cleanly. Couple of interceptions. We'll get to the game breakdowns in a second, but the storylines are there and they're rich for the consumption. Go to the NFC side of it and you think about the, the notion with the 49ers and this, this gold standard that's been there for 40 years. They, other than a couple of moments in the in the early two thousands and the late two thousands where they fell off a cliff, they've largely been omnipresent in terms of the very best in the sport. And the Lions, my God, it writes itself. I mean it's a coach out of central casting. It's it's cast offs, it's guys who were doubted. It it's all of those things. You throw in the fact that Eminem's at one game and Taylor Swift's at the other. You got everything that you want on a championship Sunday. And, and as I got done last night watching it all and and the Niners close it out, obviously we'll get into the breakdown and some of the stuff that happened as the show goes along, but just big picture. I don't know that we've, that the NFL has ever been bigger than it is right now. And there's no stopping it. And I think championship Sunday delivered in every possible way. And
3: we've talked about it because we've lamented late starts for years on this show. And then we talked about how good the playoff scheduling has been. That, okay, Saturday night, that one gets that Mm -hmm. true primetime 8 o'clock window. But they've stuck with this 6.30 for the second game on the Sunday, three weeks in a row. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's great to have the game. And it's like 10 o'clock. When it's over, you really don't feel like you're pushing it at all. And that's a perfect way to, to end your week and go into a new week. You talk about peak NFL. And the biggest difference that has changed over really the last... Decade, decade and a half, because you mentioned the streamers, and that's kind of the the other thing that every once in a well, while can grab hold and get everybody's yeah, attention right. and everybody's I watching. Meant to, but, actually,
2: wrote that down. I meant that because you're like Squid Game and those things when they go nuts. Yeah, but the
3: NFL superpower is that everybody watches at the same time because it's live yeah. sports. It's not DVRable, as we also say a lot on this show because you don't. You're not going to walk into your office today and say to somebody, oh, did you see the games? And they're like, oh, no, no, I uh, I couldn't get to it last <laughs> night. We're going <gonna laughs> right. to watch it tonight, but that'll happen with TV shows and stuff. No, everybody can go in and knowing that everybody who, you know, is anybody that pays any close attention to sports, watch these games and they'll have something to say about it. That's another thing because the NFL is so omnipresent and you watch it so often that even if neither of your teams or, you know, any of your teams are in either of these games, you still have an opinion on these games going in and going out. Which is something that other sports don't have. When it's two teams that you don't care about playing in the NBA Finals, you might watch, but you don't really have any strong feelings about it. People no. have strong feelings about everything in the NFL. Took
4: us about eight minutes, nine minutes, to get to the real issue here. The script. <laughs> three penalties for 30 yards to the Kansas City Chiefs. Eight penalties for 95 yards to the Baltimore Ravens. Ignore the three Baltimore turnovers. They wanted Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl. Yeah. from day one and they got it they did not want Detroit in the Super Bowl you're up 17. how do you blow that second half lead now they've got San Francisco Just, and Kansas City okay. the script
2: all right professor, it professor works. script professor script yes go ahead what if, if 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 the NFL is scripted I would contend that their better script would have been Detroit. Because then you could have had Eminem and Taylor and they could have done a shared halftime show. No, Usher's mm-hmm. got to
4: do the halftime show. Well, you just
2: move him to next That's year. That's too
4: much star power in one stadium.
2: Just move him to next year. It would have been fine. Well, we I mean, can't
4: have happy Eminem. That's the thing. How about him with. You don't the get a joyous the- Eminem, you need an
2: angry Eminem. Halftime, he's floating double birds to, to 49ers <laughs> fans. It didn't turn out well. It,
3: uh,. Also, it turns out that the color logo thing, nope, wasn't part of the NFL's plan, because that it's purple and red this year for the Vegas That one. was a really good conspiracy theory, though. And it was so close to being close. true again. But like I said the other week, I think it's really just, they just choose nice looking colors, and so do NFL teams, and that's why yeah. they have those colors, Except and the they brands. show up. Most NFL teams are red and blue, so if you if one of your colors is reddish, you're most likely going to get it right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's that typically is the way that it goes. Those those two are the most identifiable. Um yeah, I think from a the in, in terms of the games and the drama and all of it, from a presentation standpoint, I, it's amazing like how far for me Romo has fallen and how I mean, it's high watch I don't know what the hell you. he's trying to I, do. I, I, I couldn't It's bad. It's he's wrong on a thing. It's like with there was an interception, Lamar threw an interception with like 12 minutes in the in the fourth quarter, did he throw, was it an interception or was it a, a bangle, a Ravens turnover? And he goes, it's over, Jim, unless it's not on well, the pick in the back of the end zone or <laughs> and the the, end zone, the triple coverage. That yeah. might have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's over, Jim, unless it's not. So I Hopefully, guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of time. They're down. They're, they're well within reach here, man. There's plenty of time for them, uh, to go handle their business on it. Yeah. It's, um, the, 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 the overwhelming production that all of it that's just, it was. It's a big win. It's as big a win as you're going to get in the, in in sports, and, and quite frankly, in entertainment. It it just checks every single box, and it will do so for two weeks. In terms of how this matchup ended up, I I, I think all of us. I mean, I didn't need the Ravens in there. Just as somebody who who does stuff with the Browns and, and roots for Joe Burrow, I, I don't need to see Baltimore winning a Super Bowl. That's that does no good to me. But I I really would have loved to see the Lions. Uh, in there, and it was, uh, that's a, that's a very cruel way to lose, um, the way that they lost and, and some of the second guessing and, and Dan Campbell, he attacked it. I mean, as, as head on as you can, you got to tip your hat to him for the way he attacked it. Um, but it, it was a, it was a tough watch to watch their, to watch it all crumble for them. Because if you, if you think about, you know, our teams and, and whether it's the Bengals or the Browns in the NFL and hell, even sometimes the Buckeyes, like, Sometimes there's an inevitability that almost feels like there is a piano hanging over your head everywhere you go. And I'm sure for a Lion fan yesterday, even up 24 to 7, there had to be some of you that was like, well, there's no way we there's no way we're going to get this like this doesn't happen. We don't have nice things. They get all the nice. We don't have nice things. And then it played out that way.
3: At least it was quick, though. It wasn't death by a thousand paper cuts. It was eight minutes into the third quarter, and all of a sudden it's tied up 24-24, and the 49ers have completely turned this game around, and then they, they go on to win it. In the two games yesterday, I found it weird because I didn't expect this going in, but I was rooting for Lamar and the Ravens. Just, I could just tell during the game that I was doing so it. And was maybe I. it's, maybe it's, were you it's Mahomes fatigue. I don't know what it is. Could be. And the Lions, despite me picking the 49ers to cover, which they eventually got to, uh, and then they gave it up right there at the end. But despite picking the 49ers to cover that seven or seven and a half that we picked it at. Yeah. I was excited for the Lions, so like I, I found myself in the actual games. Like, who was my actual rooting interest? And it was truly, yeah, Ravens and Lions in the two games, and it went the wrong way for both of them. Yeah, I wanted to see in, in the moment. I wanted to see Lamar
4: succeed because yeah, I think he's, he's easy to root I, for. he is. But there are a lot of tough questions and a lot of uh, there's justifiable finger pointing at Lamar Jackson on this Monday.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it it's it, it goes back to a lesson I learned last week. Like I'm never betting against that kid. Mahomes, that's I'm a not, I'm he's impossible. he's not wizard. he's just he's just different. He's built different. Uh Bob texted me uh the one thing with Mahomes is going to be Reed's age. He's right. But but I w- I would just counter with I'm not so sure that there won't be so- another version of him winning with another coach and other tight ends and other receivers. Like they'll they'll just they're they're never going to not run this offense. Reed is a genius, there's no question, but there will be somebody else that will be hand picked that will will have that operation. I just think he's the cheat code.
3: Well and Mahomes is to a degree that Peyton Manning got to, Tom Brady got to, probably like a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know, going over to he get to bring everybody he wanted over to to New York. Those guys who are that at the top of the league for that long? They become the offensive coordinator. So whoever you hire for Kansas City, they are going to have to, yeah, work in with what Patrick Mahomes wants because he's the the real deal there for them. And yeah, it's just becoming inevitable for him. If I told you that the Chiefs only scored seventeen and didn't score in the second half, you would have been like, oh yeah, Ravens won.
2: Ravens won. Nope. Yep. No. No. Nope. No. Nope. Because when it comes to a play, a pass, a scramble, there was it's several times on th- on key third and fourth downs throws. Scrambles and he he just does it. He does just he's going to do enough, and he never and makes just, a mistake in the playoffs. No, not in the postseason. No, there doesn't. was only
4: three points scored in that second half, but it was as exciting of a half as there Sterling.
2: was. Yeah, they both. It was awesome, awesome theater. Uh, we'll hear from some of the participants in it. We'll take a look at the Super Bowl. We're going to break down the games too, obviously as well. Coming up next, we have a new head coach at the University of Michigan. And we have a new offensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. What do both of those things mean for both the Buckeyes and the Browns? Coming up next, Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: Big voice guy here to remind you that you're listening to The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, bu- Drink recommendations, movie reviews, sports discussion, whatever the hell
3: Reeser does. This is Bishop and Friends. Hey guys, it's Chops. Let's see if you can guess what these potential side effects are from. Pancreatitis, urgent bowel movements, depression, suicidal thoughts, kidney stones, birth defects, hypoglycemia, anxiety, and insomnia. If you guess weight loss injections, you sir would be correct. All of those risks when 80% of patients gain their weight back within a year of stopping the medications anyways. Now, how about these side effects? Fat loss, happiness, increased mobility, confidence, restful sleep, and increased energy. Those are the effects Awaken 180 clients experience when losing their weight fast and for Good thanks to free support for life. I'm confident that Awaken 180 would work for you the same way it has worked for me. It is the solution for weight loss. If you already know medications aren't the route for you, give Awaken 180 a call at 844-346-1800 or schedule your consultation at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Bishop and Friends, we're sponsored by Awaken 180. Fast, sustainable weight loss without medications. The solution for weight loss. Awaken 180 Weight Loss.
2: I, uh, did I hear this? So people, you could take like, you get a shot? No, that's 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 a, no 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 not, not awaken. I'm saying like yes, that's happening now. There are yeah, those are. I know what awaken. I've there's seen Austin, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen all the people like how you guys have crushed it with it, but I didn't know anything. You know that was going on. The other no, no
3: medications it, with awaken. No
2: no no, I know that. I, I I mean I've seen you. I've seen Austin. I've and Scotty's doing it. You guys are killing it. It's obviously very very. Soft. I did no, just didn't know about the other part that took me off guard. Be careful, kids out there with the with the injections. Um. All right, Sharon Moore. It was known. That this was the way that they were going to go. Um, you're seeing the bleeding of that staff that's starting to go with Harbaugh to mentors going. Uh, there's another guy this morning from the offensive staff that's going. Um, so that his staff is starting to be filled up with guys who were, were at Michigan. Um, and so Sharon Moore is going to be taking over that. Well, he is. He's taking over that operation. So then you say to yourself, all right, if for, from their perspective, is this a weather the storm hire? Is this a, because this comes out of nowhere. If he's not the interim coach, if he doesn't have... Now, he beats Penn State. He beats Ohio State. Harbaugh was there throughout the week. Um, and I do think what I... I still believe what I said last week. A, a big part of his... A big part of this is the way that he responded after the Penn State win. The tirade yeah. on, on television. That's a big part of it. It was I think it was galvanizing for the team, for the program, for the alumni... Probably wish he didn't say, you know, the curse words, but at the same time, like there was an energy to it that was very appealing. It fed to to that Michigan versus everybody thing they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. Um, now the job ahead, keep a roster intact. By the way, I think we're pretty right on that, that because of where this fit in the calendar, there's really no way for those kids to, to find new homes this quickly. Um, some of the class will probably try to get poached, but in terms of the kids who are there, you're so far into this, into the, into this, into the calendar that you're not going to see the mass exodus that you yeah. saw at Alabama. Their it's real attrition
3: happen. was in the NFL draft, anyways. If you look at yeah. like who's coming back next year, there are still some good players. Donovan Edwards is there. The Will Johnson, the cornerback, is coming, but it's not very many returning starters for him.
2: No, and and they've recruited pretty well. So, you know, I know there's a freshman quarterback coming in. Like, they've got some guys coming in, but th- there will not be a, a true roster purging the way that there was at Alabama. Number one, they don't have the returning talent at Alabama, but number two, because of the calendar. So he's got, this is what I think from, from the more perspective. He has the month of, uh, of March, right now, the month of February, the month of March to win over and, and kind of reaffirm to those who are there that he can lead the operation and then he'll have to deal with real real issues. And that will come in the spring transfer window if he can't win kids over. It's going to come right now in recruiting. Like He's got to be recruiting like a madman. You see the Ohio State coaches scouring the country like maniacs, recruiting like crazy. So he's going to have to start doing that. And then he's going to have to weather an NCAA investigation and rulings that are going to come later. Uh, With the NCAA, who knows what the timeline on that is? I guess the question becomes then, is he a guy to get you through all that or is Sharon Moore long for that job? Is he the coach at Michigan five years from now? The odds would say no. And in, in my view, I, I don't see it. I think it's, I think he's going to have a, and it's got nothing against him personally. I just think it's going to be a brutal stretch trying to get through all of that.
3: Yeah. And the rise for him coming in is like the tight ends coach in 2018. And all of a sudden you're the, you're the head coach at Michigan six years later or whatever. That's, that's pretty crazy. It, it does feel like something that, and he could prove us wrong, but that it's just a little bit too much, a little too fast for him. But the kids on the team seem to love him. There was multiple reports of players lobbying for him privately to the leadership yeah and then also there were players were voicing their support on social media so it was the the obvious choice for them it doesn't really appear like they did any sort of search did they still hire a search firm for somebody to give them (laughs) 125 grand and be like yeah that guy who you already have working for you we'll take our one hundred and twenty five thousand. thanks i did wonder if
4: like feelers had been sent out and their returns on those were now we're gonna wait and see what happens If if they had reached out to any agent, any agent of note and been like, would any of your clients be interested? And the agent either said, new phone, who dis or let me know when your NCAA sanctions are up. And then I'll let you know if I've got clients that might be interested.
2: It's a great point. You're you're stepping into a snake pit. You have no idea. An unknown snake pit. Yeah. (laughs) And it's one of those things where it's similar to, as you were saying that I, I blurted out Marcus Freeman, because, I mean, that's the reason that that Marcus got the job at Notre Dame. Is because of the timing of it. And Notre Dame was like, my God, we can't let this recruiting class fall apart. We can't let this team fall apart. Like we got a good base nucleus of guys here. Everybody loves Marcus. Let's roll with it. He's two years into it. It's gone fine. I think, right? I mean, they've, they've beaten most of the teams they're supposed to beat. They haven't really beaten anybody they weren't supposed to. It's really so it's just kind the,
3: like lost to Marshall after losing to Ohio State year one, the first year. That, yeah, like, that was brutal. But well, he's, he finished he that season that. stronger than yeah, they looked. He, we just kind of forgot about him because they lost to Marshall.
2: <laughs> yeah, he salvaged that season in year one. And then last year, they kind of beat everyone they were supposed to and then didn't beat anybody they weren't supposed to. So, um, You we just got to get over that hump. Yeah, yeah. but more could be in a similar spot. He really could. Um, the reported hire, real quickly, the reported hire of Ken Dorsey to be the Browns' offensive coordinator Um so they interviewed a ton of guys for that. My hunch is that's a hire that says to fans, not giving up play calling, which I don't think he should. Um, I, to me, that's more of a Deshaun Watson nurturer job, like almost like Deshaun Watson personal. Cause Dorsey did that as a player. He was always well known as like being incredibly supportive of quarterbacks. And I mean, he was on Played NFL for the Ross. Browns. Yeah. And he was on NFL rosters for a long time because he was very good at supporting the starter and that's my hunch on that, that it's more about that, because, and, and not about, because the other people they interviewed, several of them would have been, I'm calling plays.
3: It's interesting, too, because I like to give credit because I think it's it's right that Brian Dable was, there was something really special about what he could do to help Josh Allen yeah. as, as he was coming into the league and now as a, a superstar of the league, but Ken Dorsey was the quarterback coach at that time, so as the mm. full offensive coordinator, like, really taking control in Buffalo, that didn't end up working out to, you know, as much as he would have liked, but Personally, with a a quarterback and the development of that player, he definitely had a hand in Josh Allen becoming one of the best players in the NFL.
4: I just hope it's not a uh, Deshaun Watson babysitter gig.
2: I'm going to use nurturer. (laughs) Deshaun Watson nurturer gig. Uh, They've got to get him... I mean, he's responding to he's on social media, responding to like he's the worst. Hosts. Like, what is he doing? Come on. What what are we doing? Like streaming? She's responding to criticism of streaming. She's like, come on, dude.
3: I'm going to have to look up. I have not seen that. I'm going to have to look that up at the break it's, here. It's I no, did yesterday
2: terrible. when I saw some of that, I did a slam my
4: laptop shut. Yeah, I, I rage went, quit on. the
2: Internet. What are we doing? Why are you doing this? Uh, we have a Super Bowl and it is set. It is Kansas City. It is San Francisco. It will be in Vegas in two weeks. It's a good one. Obviously, a lot of history on the line for Patrick Mahomes. We'll start to get into that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: An encyclopedic knowledge of sports and other random things you may or may not care about. I think I found my mentor. Men
0: and ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan.
1: What's up? What's up,
2: man? It's so well, Here's what's up on a Monday. The Super Bowl is set. It'll be uh, two weeks from yesterday, February 11th, 6.30. You're right. They, they love the 6.30. It wasn't always this way, but they are. It, I, they've always started the Super Bowl at six thirty, um, so they, that's their sweet spot. And they, they did it throughout the playoffs. It's awesome. I love it. Everybody loves it. You're out. You're ten o'clock, and you're in. Um, is does the Super Bowl is the twelfth the holiday or not? Is that the next weekend? Is like the is the President's weekend?
3: I think it's the next weekend. The nineteenth is President's Day, but I don't know that
2: for sure. I think you're right. February nineteenth. That's a shame. Like, they, let's just move President's Day to the Monday after the Super Bowl. But what about the presidents? They're fine. They get a day. Perfect way to celebrate them. Mm. Super Bowl Monday off. I mean, we not us, but like normal, you, normal people have it off, and then they get, get a normal day, that'd be that's the win. So that you don't have to do it. But they I, the six thirty kick is money. It is Chiefs and Niners. Don't even think about it. Who are you rooting for?
3: Uh, I guess got reaction. Was- I guess I almost said Chiefs there, so maybe these Chiefs, too. even though I have them at home's fatigue, but there's something special about them.
2: It's it's going it, to – what it'll come down to – I mean, like, obviously all of the pressure is on Kyle Shanahan, right? I mean, this will be his third trip to the Super Bowl. He blew it as big as you can blow it when when he was in Atlanta, and they were up 28 to. Twenty-eight to three. Mm. Was it twenty-eight to three in that game? Yeah. Twenty-eight to three. I think of the quarterbacks that guys had in Super Bowl games. <laughs> oh, it's nuts. Like, now Ryan at least won the MVP. timer, right? Garoppolo and now Purdy, and, and this is a second shot know, at Mahomes too. Second, second bite at the apple at Mahomes. Uh, and we had um, the. It came to, didn't it come, it came to a blown coverage the last time, four years ago, where they, they, there was a blown coverage. They knew the play was coming and there was a blown coverage where Mahomes got somebody deep. Um, a smart of a guy he is. He does seem to kind
3: of, you know, dribble down his leg in the, in the Super Bowl in the second half of those games.
2: <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And then Garoppolo had a bad interception. Um, which I think probably led to them trying to get Trey Lance and now eventually they're in the Brock Purdy business. Purdy was clutch and we're gonna break down the game a little bit later. He was clutch again this week when he needed to be and and they they were great, but it, it's I am a I am a sucker for uh, the notion of watching history unfold live. yeah and there is something with Mahomes where you you're getting to the point where you're going to be able to say, I feel like I'm watching the best to ever do it. And and it feels like we're getting there with him. This is his fourth Super Bowl appearance. He will be going for his third win. Um, he's been to the AFC Championship game every single year that he's been a starting quarterback in Kansas City, losing the first time to to Tom and the Patriots and losing a couple of years ago to Joe and the Bengals. Other than that, this is what he does. they They go to the Super Bowl. They go to the AFC Championship game. Most of the time they go to the Super Bowl. And we'll find out if most of the time they win it. In a couple of weeks. And there is, I I think probably the most similar thing I can think of to Mahomes. And I compared him to LeBron last week from the standpoint of just physically, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Perhaps the better one would have been Steph, um, where there is a, there is a wonderment to watching him play the position. And, and there's, with Steph, there became fatigue. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, we were seeing him all the time because they were playing the Cavs, but even nationally, I think there's like, there becomes some step fatigue. When you see somebody so often, it starts to get that way. And I, I do think there's probably some of that sitting in with Mahomes. It's funny. I, I kind of, with you guys, I feel like when it comes down to it on that Sunday, I probably will be rooting for him.
3: Well, because you talk about the idea of like actually watching the greatness unfold. So the beginning of this postseason, because they didn't have the bye – this year. Usually they're at home the entire time. They never have to go in road games during this Patrick Mahomes run. Well, they had to go on the road twice and they won both of them, but at the beginning it was, yeah, they had kind of a down year. It feels like they're in transition between what is the next grouping going to be around Mahomes. Travis Kelsey has lost maybe a half step, maybe even a full step by some people, and then the playoffs start happening and they go through, and then winning yesterday, that's where it's like, okay, now that he's there in the Super Bowl, I think I am more rooting for, wow, give him his third, and then he... Might actually, be able to make a run at the Super Bowl record, which for Tom Brady stands. That's another thing. I had to sit there and be like, is it seven? It's it seven. Is it is seven. So even three is not even halfway, but he's no. technically kind of on pace. I mean, it has been kind
4: of a, it's been a hell of a season for Kansas City, like losing what they lost. I think they got drilled by the Broncos and then they lost because Cardarius Tony couldn't figure out where he was yeah. at the line of scrimmage. They just yanked him from the lineup. And well, yeah. he, didn't even,
2: he had a kid and didn't even play. Hmm. Which
4: could be addition by subtraction for them. Yeah. But then they just go on this postseason tear. I mean, they held Baltimore to three points in the second half. Like, that's the biggest thing for me was they were able to, I mean, Lamar Jackson, MVP. Almost, I don't know if unanimously, but he will be close like the, the, the throwing passes to himself (laughs) and they're just able to completely shut it all down in the second half defensively was was impressive.
3: Yeah. I feel like that's something that gets forgotten with this chiefs team this year too, because we're so enamored with Patrick Mahomes and the offense dipped a little bit. Yeah. It's probably the best defense he's ever had on the other side
2: of the ball. There's no paired up with him. Yeah, there's no question. And they, you know, as we had, uh, we had Adam Teicher on last week and, and we were talking about, you know, he, he mentioned when he was on with us that, you know, when the perception that Mahomes didn't have a great year and his pushback was you could argue, he could argue that having been there for every snap that while statistically it didn't look like it, he probably had his best year because of the deficiencies around them. They don't have, they have an aging Travis Kelsey, although you wouldn't know it from yesterday. Uh, but they have a clearly an aging Travis Kelsey. They don't have a go-to receiver. He's basically picked a different guy every week. Now they have Rice going at least finally for them. So they have some certainty there. Um, but Pacheco has come along as the season went along. And the crazy thing about Pacheco is every time I hear somebody say his name, I think of threes because he did so many Rutgers games. Yeah. And he was always talking about Isaiah Pacheco. So like that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind is 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 James when he when anytime i hear his name with Mahomes there is um there's an inevitability to it both in the season and in the moment where i, I mentioned this last week like even if the field goal goes in in buffalo he's going to go score and at no point yesterday did i think baltimore would win at no point even as though it's never behind, really
3: fully separated but it never just, yeah. no
2: it got 14 to nothing at that point i said it's good they'll do just enough He he doesn't he's not gonna make a mistake. You mentioned that earlier, Chops. He doesn't he doesn't make the terrible pick. He doesn't throw into triple coverage in the red zone. Like every every time they need something, he's there to provide it. And it's it's all there. And then the counter in this Super Bowl, which I I think is a fascinating one, is the 49ers clearly have the best roster. I mean they Yeah, yeah, I was saying to somebody that's an all-star team. It's it is an all-star. It's crazy the amount of talent that they have on that roster. And McCaffrey is amazing. Um and, and the idea that it's that it's Purdy, who when you look at him statistically, he led the league in pretty much every passing category that matters. Rating, yards per completion, all of that stuff. He he led the NFL in almost all of it. Um but you watch him play and it and it's very obviously no no one's Patrick Mahomes, but it's 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 gonna come down to him. You, you Can also- he make the plays? In the last couple of minutes. Because it's going to be a competitive game. It's going to be a close game.
3: You mentioned Purdy leading in all those statistical categories. And then you also talked about Patrick Mahomes. And how it maybe was perceived that it was a, a down year for him. Um, but actually... It, I, this is something that was pointed out to me, and I and I looked into it a little bit more myself. Yeah, it was just a down year for passing in the NFL in general. That whole two-eye safety, we're taking away the long ball thing. has like yeah. come full course and has really started. Like, Tua Tungvalu had the most passing yards this year at 4,600, which is like 500 less than we've seen over most of the last few years. Mo- usually the yeah, leader right. gets to 5,000. I mean, C.J. Stroud led all people in yards per game at like 273. Yep. When's was the last time a court, we didn't have a one quarterback at
2: over 300 yards per game? It feels like it's been
3: a long time.
2: Well, Mahomes threw for 5,600 not that long ago, so like that's a full 1,000 less than yeah. what he's done at his best. And so. he
3: did uh, 4,100 this year, 4,183 yeah. in the 17 games.
2: Yeah. So 16 so for him. That has happened. They have taken away that, – that part of the game was lacking this year in the league across the board. Would well, I guess um, the
4: constant there be Tyreek Hill? <laughs> if, yeah. you have Tyree Kill, you lead if you have Tyreek Hill, I mean, he legally can
2: run. He can run. Mahomes
4: feels like the ultimate example of when we talk about the quarterback elevating everybody around yeah, him. Sure. Everybody is made better because of how good he is. I'm not ready to say that about Brock Purdy, but I do think it's safe to say that he's not the game manager that people wanted to label him oh, with God, throughout no. the entire season. Like that is dead. I think it's no, like the, the inverse. The,
3: the 49ers roster is so good that it lifts any quarterback around them. It,
4: there's truth there, <laughs> yeah. but
2: less so that
4: he's just a, like you can just plug in anybody. He's good. No, he's
2: good. I mean, he's he is. He's clutch. It's two weeks in a row where they needed stuff and he went and did it.
3: I think the real truth is that Matt Campbell at Iowa State just isn't that good of a coach.
2: I love saying that. There's a buddy of mine up in Cleveland who's a big Matt Campbell guy. I'm yeah. just saying, how'd this guy blow all of this? Yeah, had you know, Brock Purdy talent. and Brees Hall at one for won years. Nothing. <laughs> won nothing, like one one New Year's Eve. It's six. not like they
4: were in the SEC either. Like no, they were the was very winnable considering that kind of talent.
2: I would agree with you on that. Um, look, it was a brutal weekend on the ice and on the hardwood. Uh, we will get to that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: We're known for three things. Games, conversation, and common man yelling about things only he cares about. The fan. Ohio sports destiny. Um. distilled sports discussion. Served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and friends.
2: So typically this time of year, uh, the the it's the onus is on either the Buckeye Men's basketball team or the blue jackets to to make to make us in, to be interesting, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the job, and we talk about that all the time. That be interesting in January. That's the job, and uh, they are, but not necessarily for good reasons. Um, you can do a choose your own adventure on this one if you wanted to. Uh, the, just put, this is all just facts. Like this isn't like no hyperbole. Like this is just the facts of what's going on with the Blue Jackets. So they they did win Thursday against Calgary. It was their first regulation win since December 19th. Um, they gave up a three-goal lead in Vancouver um, on Saturday. Then Sunday, give up three in the first and lose to Seattle 4-2. to two. While all of that is going on in the Seattle game, Adam Fantilli, who's been one of the few things that you could watch and be excited about, he goes out with an injury, does not play in the third. Pascal Vincent says, you know, I, I don't really have much. I was reading Porty this morning, doesn't have much. We'll, we'll have to see. Nobody knows what that means. I don't know what that means. Yeah, Nobody it, does. It, it, I guess I could <laughs> it's say that's nebulous. never a good sign, but it doesn't really mean sign. anything. I do have no idea. David Yerchek, who's a first-round pick, who they said, they, they called him up to go. They say, go get an apartment. Then he doesn't play for a month because, of course, we have to try to teach lessons and all of these things. Um, they sent him back to Cleveland. He's not happy about it, but he goes there. He likes the coaching staff, so gonna go down to Cleveland and try. But it's possible if they call him back up, he might not even report. So that's... That's real. First round pick. That's, that's a lot of fun. That's a good time. Um, they're one of the worst teams in the NHL. And then on top of it, Patrick Line is sent home from the, from the trip in the middle of the trip. And we're told that it is a setback. Um, the, inf- kind of the inference is that it's injury related, but then you get the news over the weekend that he's actually in the player assistance program. So this is, and I didn't even know what this was, but this is potentially substance abuse, mental health. Any number know. of those kind of things it could be yeah. any number of things. Just something that be. a player has
3: to work through in the NA, NHL yeah. and the Players Association. Try to help them work through whatever work they're through trying to whatever. go through.
2: Yeah. In short, it's a lot. It, it's a lot going on. Um, it, it's an unmitigated disaster. On the other side of things, we've now seen two straight Buckeye road games where it ain't there. It ain't there from an intestinal fortitude part. It's not there from a talent standpoint. Um, the the loss in Nebraska was was a, a tough, inevitable loss. The one in north at Northwestern on Saturday was you knew when they they Northwestern scores right before half and you go well, there's no coming back from this. Yeah. It was kind of like a four, four, four six point game, kind of the whole. And then. It's like okay, well that's that's done. We're, that you're cooked on that to the point where Adam Jardy, uh actually went to Gene to get a quote about you know are we is there going to be changes with the staff? Would something happen mid season? Uh, Gene, with this quote to Adam, he said, "We have a lot of season left to play. And we have coaches and players that are focused on winning every day. I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out." They played number ten Illinois tomorrow.
3: Oh, that's not going to. I don't. I mean, I have no reason to think that that's going to be a good outcome for them. No, and it just—it's the same thing as last year. Thirteen and three, I believe, last year they were like twelve and two going into January or right after. You know, the Big Ten play was really starting this year, and it, they just can't win. They've lost what four or five in the Big Ten. It, it's not going to get better here. So their whole January is basically just a mess again. And you talked about the, the game at Nebraska, but also this goes to the game at Michigan because. Yeah. They were it was 23-20 at 6:48 left in the first at Northwestern. Then it was 41-30 at half and by that time they they just folded then in the second half. But you're talking okay, you're within 3 and then over that last 6 or so minutes you go to down 11 at half. At Nebraska, it was 32-32 with 3:34 left in the first half. They were down 43-35 mm-hmm. at half an 8-point swing there. At Michigan, they're Three road games ago, 21-19 with seven and a half left in the first half, down 37-28, nine points at halftime. They are not showing that urgency that we keep talking about and closing out halves. And then the second half starts and they seem dejected and the teams just run away with it.
2: I think, unfortunately for them, like, I think probably what you're going to say is, you know, we got to fight. We have to, you know, we got to battle. We got to fight. We got to do all those things. I just don't think they're good enough. I don't think the roster is good enough. I, I don't think that the there, there, isn't, there isn't some magic elixir that, oh, let's just install this and then we'll be okay. It is a real struggle in the half court. It's a real struggle in Big Ten play in the half court. And it's very possible that there was a lot of fool's gold out there in November and December that led everyone to believe they were better than they are.
3: And it turns out those guys like Roddy Gale and, you know, Bruce Thornton has been going through a rough patch and Jameson Battle can't hit five threes every single game. No, there's there's no game shots. There's no game breaker on the roster right now. So when
2: or they're not playing, I I mean, like Middleton and Royal were big time recruits, you know, but they don't get much. In it feels like look, I don't know.
3: It feels like right now because of that situation with the players and nobody being like a true difference maker out there in Big 10 play. Every team that is on their level or better than them will beat them. That's how I yeah. feel going into There's every an game. There's inevitability. It has to them. be like worst team in the league, which obviously they're close to at this point, but that's like the only teams are going to beat down the stretch. A top 10 Illinois team? No no chance. I mean, it's just find your best shooter and just camp them out
4: in the perimeter and yeah. they'll let you go.
2: Yeah, that's it. They just yeah, you just it's yeah. We spent we talk a lot on the on the defensive end. You get eighty three points, like it's it's not going to work. Uh, the Jackets thing is an unmitigated disaster. Did you see
3: like the power play trend in those Saturday Sunday games? So they gave up three power play goals on the penalty kill to in the third period, to, so the Canucks could go to overtime and and take the victory, right? And then against the Kraken they gave up three goals in the in the first, and two of them were power play goals. So they had five straight power play goals given up. Five straight failed kills <laughs> across two games. That, and they're already not good at the penalty kill, but that kind of stuff just puts you in that. I've still been keeping track of it. Games in which the opponent scores three goals in a single period, the Jackets have lost 15 such games this year.
2: Yeah.
3: And oh, when it rains, it pours.
2: Yeah, they're... I don't even know. like if Fantilli's out for a while. I don't even know. Like this is going to be a long slog this second half uh, through February and, and March. It's going to be. It's going to be. It's brutal. When it's, I saw it's that brutal on both fronts, but it's really brutal.
3: When I saw that stat that they hadn't won regulations since December nineteenth last week on Thursday, That's I was crazy. like, that can't be right. And looking through, yeah, all their wins are in overtime. That's the only like bright spot for them is they seem to have a knack to push games into overtime, but some of that is their third period collapses that allow the other team actually to be the yes. aggressor and push it into overtime.
2: And honestly the same thing that I, I said about Ohio State basketball, you kind of say about the Blue Jackets right now. They're just not very they're not good. They're just not. Like they they're they're stuck between playing kids and and not they're stuck between trying to teach lessons and trying to develop um I mean I would just play the damn kids. I just play the kids. Like it's enough. Like you don't, there's no reason to send your check down. Just put him on a in a top top six defense pairing and let's go. Like let him learn on the fly. You thought he was ready a month ago and then he sat for a month and didn't play. Like if he makes mistakes, let him make them at the NFL NHL level. What, what good's it do him to go back down to clear? There's no point. Play yeah. him.
3: You started the segment talking about like the job of the yeah. CBJ and Ohio state basketball is be relevant in January. And right now it's trending that these two are going to be relevant at their end of their season for the wrong reasons, because sure. I think we're going to have some coach searches here in Columbus. The,
2: the Vincent thing. I have no idea how that plays out. Go ahead, Reese. Quickly. I was just
3: going to say the
4: best thing for both programs is the end.
2: Yeah, that's kind of, there's a, yeah, there's an inevitability to it for sure. Uh, just the way that it's trended. It sucks. Uh, absolutely does. All right. Um, NFL Championship Sunday did not suck in any way. The Lions game against the Niners had all of it. Dan Campbell uh, with one of the most honest, decent, solid responses to criticism I've ever heard. We'll have it for you coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: If you haven't thought about Buckeye football today, I'm sorry to tell you that you're dead. Our condolences. Your home of the Buckeyes. The Fan. Our top men are working on everything. Except this show. This, this
2: is Bishop and Friends. So Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. The, the other part of this that's interesting is because of the um, the championship results, you could have a closure of the coaching carousel in the NFL because Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, Mike McDonald, all of those guys are in the mix for jobs. I am shocked that Munkin. Isn't in the mix for jobs. It's stunning to me as I don't to me, like in Atlanta, that was the one uh, for him for sure. Based on, uh, you know, assuming that they get fields or something to that end, but all of those hires can now be filled. So Ben Johnson could go, he's rumored at Washington, uh, Seattle, like McDonald a lot. So we could see some like complete closure of the NFL coaching circle in the, in the next couple of days because of what happened um, over the weekend. Um, all right. This is the Dan Campbell conversation. Yeah, he did everything. Everything that he's done in building the Lions was honest to himself in in every possible way. From go all the way back to the first year when they went three and thirteen, everything that everybody fell in love with him in Hard Knocks. Um, they it's funny he's he's not viewed by most as like an analytics coach, but he goes for fourth down more than anybody. Um, and and he was honest to himself on Championship Sunday. Now, you can still have fault with that because when you have accumulated leads, points matter. Uh, they do. And Rothman uses that word human analytics. There's a human analytics to it. And I don't even know that Campbell's even necessarily about analytics when it comes to the fact that he goes for fourth all the time. I think it's more of an attitude thing. It's like, fourth down, fine, we'll pick it up. We're good. We're going to pick it up. And it's part of the confidence that he has kind of pushed through that entire roster. Um, but. The two in the, in the fourth quarter, um, in, in the second half of the game yesterday, one may have been in the third, one certainly in the fourth, that those two fourth downs where you go for it and you get nothing, it comes home to roost absolutely in that game. And any, a field goal at any point could have stopped the bleeding for the Lions and gotten some momentum back on their, on their side. And it's just so hard to continue to scale that mountain. Um, so the questioning was going to come. He knew it. I, I think what you're about to hear is about as honest and satisfactory response as you're ever gonna hear. This was Dan Campbell yesterday, uh, on the question of the decision to go for it on the fourth downs in the second half.
5: I just felt really good about us converting and uh getting our momentum and not letting them play long ball. You know, they were bleeding the clock out, that's what they do. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. And it's easy hindsight and I get it, you know, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions. And that's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. But this didn't work out.
2: The list of NFL players who would sign up to play for that guy goes from here to all of them. Every one of them. They love him. They, I mean, he stands up like that and it gives you that. Like you can question it, and I know a million people will. That's all people. That's going to happen today. All of us that do this job are going to question all of it. But you are not doing better than that. Like would I have, would I have done those things? No, no, I would have kicked field goals because then all of a sudden that drive from uh, from Goff at the end is one that ties the game, uh, potentially one that would have won the game if they would have kicked both of them. Um, it was crazy because even the one right before half, it's like he had to get talked into. And I am like, no, no, go up to three scores. <laughs> you, you gotta no, 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 do it. no, no! Just go up three scores. Like, don't. It's it's not the same as going from like set from going from like ten to up ten to up thirteen. Like you, this is you now would go up three scores, and it was almost like he was going to go for that one, and and was going to try to to get another touchdown. He, he finally was like almost like despite himself said, fine, kick the field goal, and they were up seventeen. But like you could tell he didn't want to.
3: Yeah, I mean. the I saw this stat this morning. They went for it on fourth down 34% of the time in the regular season. This year, and like I knew that he went for it on fourth down a lot. It's yeah. something that Dan Campbell really likes to do. But I did not know, man, it was that high. That in the article it says that's the most by any team this century. Like nobody goes <laughs> for it on fourth like that at that rate. But you have to if you actually do want the benefit of the analytics, which is always the problem when we fall into the the guy going for it on fourth. You get one of them and you score a touchdown and you probably win the game as well. But you're right. If you kick both field goals and you make both of them, you're there. Their kicker, though, Michael Badgley has only kicked one field goal of 40 to 49 yards this whole season. He made it. They
2: never, they never go, but they they never let it. They
3: always go for it in those situations. (laughs) It would appear. Yeah. And so his career percentage is like something in the seventies and their percentage on fourth downs that are like less than three yards. It's like 80-something this year. So they actually have a better yeah. chance of picking up the first down than technically making the field goal, which is a, another weird part to go for. it. But after you go for the first one, you do have to go for the second one. That's where people flip it and they go, well, you, then you have to kick the field goal. And it's like, no, because you're not getting the benefit of the averages of the numbers if you revert because you don't get one. You go, oh, well, now I, I can't go for another fourth down. No, you have to keep sticking with it. Stay that's, with the
2: mentality. Because that's
3: how you get the benefit of picking up the ones that you pick. You know, it's a 50-50 shot kind. And you pick those ones up, and then you get the benefit of it. But he gets neither, and that's why you know it's just one of those situations where if it works out, man, Dan Campbell's such a such a ballsy He's coach. Genius. We love him, yeah. But instead, it it goes the other way, and everybody's questioning it. And I think that it, he got there this season doing it this way, and it makes sense that he continued to do it in the playoffs.
4: Yeah, I mean, it is an analytics thing, but I kind of read it more as a gut thing. You know, during I the season. Complete gut move. Like we talk about the lack of field goals. You talk about their the percentage of going for it on fourth down in those areas was the highest in the league, Mm
2: -hmm.
4: and so that's what got them to this. And so that's what his gut's going to tell him the first time. It's go go go. go. Despite other people being like, hey wait maybe we should no we're going. It was like absolutely what Dan Campbell would do, absolutely what John Dorsey would do, absolutely what Chris Spielman would do. It's like they would do exactly what their gut told them. What's gotten them to this point because they're football guys. You can't dissuade them otherwise. And then that's them telling their team, we believe in you in this instance, so you're going to go get it. And then the second time it comes around, it's, no, 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 we didn't get it last time, it's fine, forget about that. Or don't even, that didn't even happen, we're going, we're getting it this time, I'm going to have faith in you. And likely the players, that's a galvanizing thing. Now they didn't execute properly on both instances, but that to me read that coach has tremendous faith in his players. And I hope that pays off for him down the line
2: and well, I, he kind of alluded to some of that. Uh hold your point chops just for a second. Um the, you could you can tell it in his tone how devastating this one was. I mean you're up 17, it's a brutal loss. Um he he spoke about the effort but it just not quite being good enough.
5: It's hard when you lose that way. It's hard. You know, you feel like you get your heart ripped out. So but I'm proud of that group and I'll go anywhere with that group and uh you wish you could keep it all together but that's not the reality. So you know, we did some really good things, but today we didn't do enough, and uh, and it's tough.
2: But he's talking about the inevitability of the roster turnover that's going to happen because you you can't keep these rosters together. And he knows that he he had this, he had it. They were up seventeen at half. You're right; it evaporated in a millisecond in the second half. Um, but you're up seventeen at half in an NFC Championship game. Those are games you win, and the Niners down that had never they don't win those games. They'd been down big twice this year both times they ended up losing like they are not a come from behind team and they came from behind quickly and you could sense in listening to Campbell kind of the reality that that this 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 is such a hard mountain to scale
3: you know it's funny i was going to say one more thing on the fourth down stuff because i think it gets lost in all this discussion is that same mentality now it's easier to justify it in the situation they were in but either way they were going to have to kick an onside kick after scoring that touchdown that made it a three-point game and they went for it on fourth and goal to score that touchdown when they could have kicked the field goal and still had been in the situation where they have to go get an onside kick and score it again it makes more sense to go for it there but just saying that like that one doesn't even get talked about as being successful because the other two stand out so much to people but again it just that's how he does it he's gonna go for it on those fourth and shorts
2: from the 49ers side of it, um, Kyle was, has been on the other side of one of these, right? He was up 28 to three, uh, lost a Super Bowl to the, to the Patriots in spectacular fashion. Um, and he did have a message to his team. They're down 17 and a half. Um, they were lucky to not be down 21. Here's Shanahan on that.
3: It's only 17 points. Been a lot of football games where you're down 17 points or starting with the ball. There's plenty of time to come back, plenty of points to come back. But regardless of any of that stuff, we're not going out like this. We got to be a lot more aggressive here in the second half.
2: And they certainly were. Um, He also was asked about the Lions going for it on fourth down so often. Here's what Kyle had to say.
3: That's how they've done it most of the year, and I think that's one of the reasons why they were here. So, like, you win a lot of games making some of those decisions, and then you make some decisions and you lose them. I mean, I don't think it always comes down to that. There's lots of plays that happen in the game, but, I mean, that's the decision that we all have to make, and it doesn't surprise me because he's made a lot of those decisions throughout the year that have won them a lot of games also. It's weird you, for a team to give up a seventeen point lead, and then the discussion is that they were too aggressive. It's usually the inverse in yeah. football games that oh they they rested too much and kind of sat back on their heels a little bit. But this is the Lions were too aggressive, and it's like if they had just settled for field goals, they probably would have won.
2: Yeah, there. It's funny that it flipped so quickly in the second half that that is that I thought you mentioned it earlier, chops. Like they didn't die by a thousand cuts. It it was bludgeoning quickly. And then once it happened, it was to me at that point, the other, th- at that point, if you felt inevitable that San Francisco would win, mm-hmm. the other thing that I think you, that you can take from this and, and not just the going for it on fourth down. I mean, they threw the kitchen sink at the 49ers offensively. I mean, they did everything, double passes, jet sweeps with JMO. They, they, they were, they knew that point they had to score a lot in order. They knew that San Francisco was going to score. They had to score a lot. They had to be aggressive. Quite honestly, you can talk about the fourth fourth down stuff, and, and most people will today, and we've talked about it as well, and I, I loved his answer on it, and I don't have a problem with it. If, if his guys catch passes that hit him in the hands, they win. I mean, that's the other part of it. I mean, how many drops? Reynolds had a brutal drop. Jamison had a brutal drop. When he got deep on one, that there would have uh, been a touchdown. The defensive back had a brutal drop, right? He well, did. a
3: drop off his face mask, I guess. Yeah. And then I just scoops it up, and... That leads to a touchdown, and that was, yeah, and then they they fumbled right after that whole mm-hmm. run of plays, so, and I think that was after, the crazy Brandon Ayuk one was after that for, first fourth down we were talking about, the third down, or the yes. third quarter one, so then that play happens, that's the other thing, is it kind of compounds with what happens on the other side as well, but it's, Dan Campbell is right to, you know, be kind of broken up, because coaches say this, and it's true in the NFL for sure, that no team is ever the same the next year, mm-hmm. there's always going to be player movement, but, I will say that this was encouraging that this was not a. The Lions just things fell right for them this year and the division was down and they were able to win it. No, the young core they have, especially on the offensive side of the ball, was on display yesterday. And this is going to be a team that's going to be in these kind of games for the next few years, at least.
2: For sure. I I think the only question for them will be like, they're going to have to give Goff some money. They got to re sign him. So that'll. There's going to be a cap issue there that they're going to have to deal with and they got to try to have a conversation with him. Um I mean it's amazing the amount of success Jared Goff has had in the league and as good a quarterback as he's become. Um he's like kind of a clutch Kirk Cousins and I mean that as an incredible compliment. I don't mean that as a negative at all. Like he's he's really good and he was really good yesterday. He kept they kept in it. Talking in about way
3: talking about how they're going to have to start giving out some money and figuring out who who they can keep and what it's going to be. It really does. It was perplexing at first when they traded Hawkinson to the Vikings and then just drafted another Iowa tight end. Yeah. But essentially they were just like, I think we can get the
2: same player and just keep this one on a rookie deal. And it worked yes. out perfectly for him. Yeah, it's uh, that I think I don't think there's anything fluky about them. I think they're there for the long haul. I think he's there for the long haul. It, he strikes me as like he could be in Detroit the way Tomlin's been in Pittsburgh. Like I think it could be a 15 year gig uh, for him in Detroit. I, I think now they have a culture that is set. Um, I, I saw this from uh, McAfee yesterday. He said when they were up big at half, he said now there will be every every owner in the league will now try to do a culture switch like on the fly. And 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 he goes. This is this does not happen. You cannot do this. Like there are certain special people that can pull this type of thing off, and Dan Campbell is one of those people. This cannot be duplicated, and I think he's right.
3: But people will try, and they will. You know, we're gonna. It's already started. We're seeing a run on like the former player just about coming up faster. Yeah, Antonio Pierce, Rod Mayo. Mm Yeah. Yeah, like those so guys this, we're this bringing the, the football thing. guy who's remember done the, this game Remember when the NBA went through this like a decade ago. Jason Kidd got a job. Steve Nash got a job and some of those guys are still in jobs, but it was just like right out of playing. They were like, put this guy as the head coach. And that's kind of I think the NFL after we've gone through the McVay tree thing. Steve Nash. Now the thing is for former Clint player Nats. come in here, be culture guy.
2: Yeah, that's that's where you're at at uh. this point from. uh I, they were fun to watch all year. Both of these teams were. Uh, the Lions team, I, I don't. I really don't think that they're going anywhere. Uh, Ryan Day did uh, a little media availability up in Cleveland. We're going to share some of his thoughts um, on Bill O'Brien, on play calling, on Ross Bjork. Uh, we'll get into a lot of those things coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: We're the girthiest radio station in the history of radio.
2: Uncomfortably girthy. This promo is uncomfortable. The Fan.
1: Ohio's girth-destined... Producers, Co-hosts. Friends? Some of those things are true. You're listening to Big Up and Friends.
2: And Garrett with the typical sports book and get in on the betting action, the playoff football, the hoops, the hockey, so much more. Take advantage of those massive odds boosts on your favorite teams and players for the biggest payouts. Try out that new Flex Parlay and cash in on your bets, even if you miss a leg or two. Claim your new sign-up bonus now. Get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter the promo code The Fan 100 to get $100 bonus download the typical sportsbook app today must be 21 or older and physically located in ohio terms and conditions do apply gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that ryan day was on espn cleveland last friday and the fellows up there took him through the rounds and and asked a lot of the questions that we have not down here had answered yet uh let's start with uh with ryan on the hiring of bill o'brien and the idea that he's going to be calling plays
6: you know, every year, again, you have to look and identify the things that, you know, you got to tweak, you got to change. And I felt like this was important for a lot of reasons. I felt like, you know, the, the landscape of college football, where it needs to be, where my focus needs to be. Uh, but I also feel like, um, you know, Bill, Bill brings a tremendous amount of experience um, to the table and wouldn't have done it just with anybody. I felt like Bill's experience of being a head coach in the conference, being a head coach in the NFL, uh, being at Alabama for two years and the success they had there, then Bryce Young fit very, very well with what we exactly we needed in the program at the time.
2: Yeah, and, and this is a sea change for Ryan, right? I mean, this is—he's always called plays. It's—it's it's the reason he got the job to begin with, um, and so he will be giving that up. It will be his offense, but I'm sure that Bill will have a lot of input on on some of the things that he likes, and then they'll work with Will Howard to get it all on the on the same page for next season on a roster that's obviously loaded. Um, here's Coach Day uh, talking to the guys up on ESPN Cleveland about how Bill O'Brien allows for him to be a better head coach and the change that will come with that.
6: Certainly, where Uh, NIL is and, and, you know, having relationships with folks and helping in that area is going to be critical to to make sure our guys have the resources they need, but also just the day-to-day of the team and the management of the team and defense and special teams, you know, in-game management. Just there's a lot of things in play that, you know, I look at and say, you know, if we're going to reach the goals we need to next year, these are some of the changes that I feel like going into this season we want to make. And the good thing about Bill is he's been great so far. You know, understands the success he's had on offense and, you know, how he can bring his experience to the table to make this the best offense in the country.
3: It's cool to me that he used the word management a a lot in there because I was thinking that, like, this is giving – Ryan Day more of an opportunity we've talked about that like CEO role but really the job of a manager is not to be good at like what you do on the job the job is to make sure that you manage the people around you and so that your team or that your staff is properly situated to achieve the goals of the team or the business whatever it is so this is going to allow him to have that CEO manager role and it is funny how it's like it's kind of poetic like it rhymes it's the old George Lucas thing because the last game they played against Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri he had that whole comment into it that he took a step back and gave up play calling going into this year and it really worked obviously really worked out for missouri so if ohio state already at the you know the top or near the top of college football if they can see that kind of improvement that missouri saw year over year then i'm pretty excited about it and i think it's the right choice for coach day to say okay i'm going to take the step back and be the ceo and oversee it now
4: there's a lot of trust there right yeah, that day has for Bill O'Brien to be able to do what Ryan Day wants offensively to do it in the moment to be able to make the right decisions, the right uh, adjustments, and then during the week you're not worried about that. You can also get back to developing quarterbacks, mm-hmm. the guys behind Will Howard well, that we'll will factor in for next year.
2: I think the um, this is what I this was a job search of one, like the guy Ryan Day wanted was Bill O'Brien. Like he was what he wanted it to be available. That's the guy that he wanted. He wanted all of the experience that comes with that. He wanted all of the leadership. Uh, you're, you're bringing in a guy who was not only did he, was he the head coach at Penn State and the head coach of the Texans, very successful in both spots, but at times he was the de facto general manager in Houston. So this is a guy who's got a lot of gravity when he walks into a room and a lot of respect when he walks into a room. And I think all of that stuff was stuff that Ryan was looking for. I think he needed. Oh gosh! I mean, it's kind of like the old, uh, like remember when the when the the Browns said this about about Baker? Like we need some adults in the room. Like that—that's kind of what I think this is. Like I, I need another another big figurehead here who can help me because he's running in a thousand directions right now. A thousand.
3: Yeah, I mean, would it have been sexier to go out and get a young hot shot who's on the cutting edge of where the offensive game is going? Yeah, that would that would be the the sexier pick, but. The, you already have that guy. Ryan Day is he already is, that guy. is already the guy who knows where the offensive game is going, and he's young, and he he has you know just that experience that he's also gaining up here, and he's bringing in Bill O'Brien, like you said, to, yeah, go in there and be a, a, a calming voice to manage everything. And I think again, yeah, I just think it's going to work out. And you mentioning that it was a one of one search, that's uh, the whispers we heard is like, oh, he's going to want to go with an NFL guy who has play calling experience. So like everything we heard was what bill o'brien's resume is and then bill o'brien gets hired and some people's initial reaction even mine like right initially was like oh that seems kind of underwhelming but really the more i think about it and look into it i think it is the right hire
2: i said to people like you do realize like nick siciliano used to have this job like what are we talking about like this guy's been like he's been really good at a lot of places like he's a, he absurdly qualified for the job i mean bill o'brien could have got a got a head job coaching in a power 5 this year if he would have wanted one based on what he's done already so um, he absolutely could have done that the, the one thing the the other part of this and there's there's two other parts of this offseason not just the Bill O'Brien hire but also Will Howard coming in a quarterback and then the overall offseason haul that they did in the portal which now leaves them with the most talented roster in college football let's start with coach day um, I have a feeling I'm going to take umbrage with this but here's coach day on the quarterbacks
6: yeah it's, it's a room that uh, really um, creates competition I think you'll see that with all the guys in a room and they're looking for a very competitive spring, and it's a great opportunity to start fresh with Coach O'Brien in terms of walking into that room. And um, we know what the expectation is, and I think the guys in that room know what the offense is, the, the surrounding cast, and and what's out in front of them. So uh, they've they've started well these first couple of weeks, and uh, it's going to be a great competition, and it's going to be fun to watch this spring.
3: So he didn't go quite far enough he to say it's a quarterback competition take, for the starting job.
2: But, but it's like full umbrage because I thought he was going to say like that Will is in a quarterback. He's not in a quarterback Will Howard's a starting quarterback at Ohio State. You brought him in here to do that. So uh, in, He's in, just in talking more of the so. competitive nature of camp and spring ball yeah, and, yeah, stuff. and I do yeah. think that will be a tremendous challenge when they brought in Julian Saiyan and added him to the class. It's just it's gonna be a reps war trying to get guys snaps because you there just aren't enough. Receivers to catch passes from five quarterbacks who are all, you know, have desires of at one point starting here. Um, so that management is going to be dicey, to say the least.
3: At least they're all here in the spring, though, because remember when Quinn Ewers came late? You know, he reclassified and he oh, came late. Lost.
2: He never really had a
3: chance to get a handle of the offense or really no. practice at all because it was fall camp. So spring does allow them to spread that out a little bit more. But remember, Will Howard, while being a very experienced guy, is coming in here and learning the offense himself now, too. He's not an incumbent for Ohio State, so he's going to need a lot of those reps, too. You're right. The the balancing act of that. And, hey, maybe they just, because of all the returning players, they have enough talent that they can just say, all right, one B go over there at the other
2: quarterbacks, and one yeah. A will be with Will Howard. Yeah, it's it, that that will be a challenge. It, it's less of a challenge because whoever wins, it's going to throw to one of the most talented rosters, and I think the most talented roster in college football at their disposal, both offensively and defensively. Uh, the fellows up there asked Coach Day about the offseason portal hall. Here's what he had to say.
6: Well, it's similar to last year in that you know, we've added, I guess, six guys in the portal. You know, we haven't gone crazy there, but um, but you know, when when Coach Saban uh, retired and mm. you know some of these guys were were available in the portal, it certainly provided an opportunity that we wanted to you know bring in the best players we could, but also taking the
2: culture into consideration. Okay, though I'll take umbrage with that. It is not in any way similar to last year. Not in any way. It's the same amount of guys. Same amount of guys. But the, <laughs> that's where the it quality, stops. And then that's the end of it. <laughs> Thankfully, the quality is entirely different, as, as you got dudes uh, across the board uh, in this. We'll get Austin's perspective on it coming up next. Bishop and Friends are here on The Fan.
1: The Chris Holtman Daily Show is brought to you locally on The Fan by Credit Union of Ohio.
3: This is Chris Oldman, Daily Show, brought to you by Incova Insurance. 83 Northwestern to the victory. Chris, this was one of those that seemed to be difficult when the opponent has six and double figures and they shoot the basketball the way they did.
0: Yeah, no, give them credit. They give them credit. We, we certainly... Have to be better, but give them credit. They played really well, really well, Coach. When you
2: have a, a young team like you have, and, and dealing with a, a loss like of this nature, what what's the message to try to you know keep them positive and get them ready for the next
0: ball game? Well, as you guys know, we got a quick turnaround against Illinois, so I think it's uh, it's going to be a test of who we are, uh, Ron, as a group right now to to be able to respond here. And uh, as coaches, we're going to have to figure some things out here, um, and um, you know, obviously, be much better uh, against uh, against Illinois so that's what's in front of us you're right It's uh, I think we've got to be able to uh, we've got to be able to find that uh, find that inside us right now and be able to respond better than what we what we did here tonight.
6: All
3: right, we'll have another comment in just a moment
6: Hi I'm Archie Griffin two time Heisman Trophy winner the right coverage can be a game changer both on and off the field that's why Incova Insurance and their local independent agents are prepared for what's next and protect what matters most to you Whether that's your home, car, business, or family, Encova's got your back with a policy that fits you perfectly. With local independent agents in your neighborhood and innovative insurance products that can be tailored to fit your unique needs, Encova's playbook is an easy win for your peace of mind. You can trust their team of agents to develop a strategy that's just right for you. And it's not just X's and O's. Your expert agent will guide you and provide insurance solutions so you can confidently manage your risk and count on a financially secure future. For auto, home, and business insurance, you want Encova on your team. Visit Encova.com today to find an agent near you. Encova is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks!
3: 83 58, the final, Northwestern defeating Ohio State. Chris, we could see being next to you here at the bench that in the second half, even with the score was what it is, important for guys just to continue to play through the plan and, and go
7: through what was being passed along to them.
0: Yeah, no, I think I thought uh, I thought for the most part, you know, we had some we had some different lineups in there, but for the most part, um, you know, we were able to do that. I think just in general. Um, you know, we just, we weren't able to get in nearly enough stops, and we tried about every ball screen coverage possible, so um, we've got to play with more fight and more force on that end for sure, and we've got to help them as coaches.
3: Chris, was this a situation where, especially with the way your team got to the free throw line, where maybe that's a possible area to try and chip away at this
0: thing with scoring with the clock stop? Yeah, it was something we need to do better, for sure, and uh, I think we did do that better tonight. If there's a positive to take from this, and there aren't many, that's certainly one of them, is being able to get to the free throw line a little bit more. I thought Roddy did, uh, got To the line more, which was good as as well as Bruce. It's the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Is it time to upgrade your financial
3: situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast. Break towards savings.
4: Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA.
0: Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun, casual joint with their award-winning waitstaff, great food, fun, and laughter. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind or grab a carryout. Roosters is where you, your family, and friends can order pizza, sandwiches, salads, and more. And the home of award-winning wings that are fresh, never frozen. It's your family's other dinner table. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Us.
1: He knows everything about the Buckeyes. He's been offered tens of dollars by a certain team to spill his secrets. He's told that certain team to go to hell. Damn you all to hell! He's Austin Ward.
2: Sponsored by Awaken
0: 180 Weight Loss. More life, more energy.
2: And he joins on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Band Guest hotline. Good talking to you again, buddy. Um, I was. How do you. Think as as Bill O'Brien's been in the building now for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. How how is Ryan Day? And obviously, and I'm sure you feel the same way I do on this. Like this was a job search of one. Like he really wanted Bill O'Brien. He it was every box check that that Ryan wanted. Um, as Ryan starts to transition into this new overseer of all of this, what will those steps look like? And and how? Closely, will he he and Bill kind of work together with all of that to to find what this what this Buckeye offense is going to look like next season?
7: Yeah, it's a great question. It's a key question because you have a little bit of time here you know six seven weeks to think about what how much one person has to learn from the other, how much they have to collaborate, how much of each playbook uh, you know what the roster looks like, what what you want to emphasize. You know, you've you've certainly seen what. Bill O'Brien's done throughout his career, whether that's with tight ends or, or uh, you know, quarterback development, what have you. I do think that some element of how this fits together has already come up because, you know, you when you look at the hire itself and you say uh, a search of one, that wasn't really the case. I mean, Ryan Day looked at a number of guys, and he and Bill O'Brien checked the most boxes and ha- and had the most. I don't know. Uh, collaborative vision, I think, with Ryan Day compared with yeah. some, you know, and not everyone was going to be available. But I, I think that the way that this played out, I remember a lot of Mondays coming on on here and talking with you uh, in December about, hey, make these moves now, like it's it's urgent, like start planning for the future. And and Ryan Day took his time and and interviewed people and got a lot of feedback about what direction they should go and and who would work together. And and I think maybe more than anything, if you look at the, the various places that Bill O'Brien has worked, and I asked somebody that's like, well, what's his system? Well, what what what's your personnel? Like, that's the answer, and he's going yeah. to uh, suit what he does based on what Ohio State has to offer, which really is pretty much everything, which might be the biggest challenge of all going into March, is trying to narrow that down so that these two can decide on what that vision looks like.
2: Is it your understanding that this will be, and typically this is the way this thing, this type of thing goes, that this will be the Ryan Day offense with sprinkles of Bill O'Brien in it?
7: Well, I think that yes and no, Bo. I mean, I think that it has to have Ryan Day hallmarks in it and trademarks of what he's done throughout his yeah. career because he's one of the best offensive minds in the sport. Bill O'Brien is on that short list as well. Um, so it you're certainly going to look – I think we'd all like to see more mesh concepts returning to the passing attack, right? Like just, oh, just yeah. to nitpick a little bit of things, and and maybe there's some element where it's still O'Brien's job to break Brian Day in some respects out a little bit of a, a, a play calling rut. And, and I I know that that is exaggerating the issue, like probably to an unfair degree, but. Ryan Day needs to be able to, to think not just about big-picture ideas of running the program, but also within games. I don't think that he – and this came up with Eli Drinkowitz in talking about his role for the Cotton Bowl, and Ryan Day is just kind of sitting there staring at the ceiling like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of what I had talked about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like Managing the team is itself, if he doesn't have to think about every play call, and, and maybe Bill O'Brien can be removed from that and, and sitting up in the booth and like, hey, this is what we talked about. This is what we're going to execute. We're not going to fall into a routine of – of stretching the boundary or whatever. I mean, I, again, I'm, yeah. I'm exaggerating the issue, but I, I think that that had been on on the table for a while for Ryan Day, and and someone with the gravitas and experience of Bill O'Brien can help him get there. But that doesn't mean that Bill O'Brien is coming in and running his own offense entirely. There, that's not going to be the case.
2: No, and I, I mean, I don't think you are exaggerating. It's you is probably it was a couple months ago when we came on and we had the stats about. The just the refusal to throw it in the middle of the field. They just didn't. Right. I mean, it just didn't yep. happen. So it'd be nice if that's discovered again, and they they throw <laughs> the ball in the middle of the field because there, there tends to be a lot of a lot of green space out there. Uh, the other thing that I think this is a, a is is going to play in huge is is what has happened with with Julian saying add into this mix. You have five mm-hmm. guys, and and I'm I, I understand that there's going to be quote a competition. Will Howard's a starting quarterback, so then it's it's four guys who are fighting for reps and spots and all of it. What sense do you have of how that will play out in the spring? And I'm not talking about a pecking order. I'm talking about just rep management. Um, how do they handle those guys this spring?
7: I'm not sure that they've figured out how to do that yet, Bo. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, what, what I hope that they don't do, and and we'll see. Maybe they, maybe they learn from this and they didn't feel like it was as successful as they wanted. A lot of that stuff that we saw in August of last year was like, well, we're going to cut this up in two. We're going to go two fields and Mm -hmm. mix up the ones and twos and and make sure that everybody can get a little bit of this and a little bit of that so that they get the maximum amount of reps possible. And I think that that is a noble goal, but I I think it came at the expense of some of the things like, you know, when we were out there at the start of the month, like and then Mahalski was working with one group that looked like it was the ones at right tackle. Well, he was never really uh, an option to start for Ohio State. I think it helped. They were, it helped them get more reps and it hurt them in terms of continuity and building what your pecking order and depth chart looks like. That's part of sports. Like I, I don't I think that if you're gonna be honest in your evaluations and telling these guys where they are, if you're taking a rep with a three, make the most of that rep with a three and try and move up and, and go to the number two. And I, I think if you're especially in this situation where all let's set Will Howard aside perhaps if all of them need to know where they stand to make the most informed decision, if you're number two and not just like AM hey, two or three, that may make the difference between losing both guys and building around a depth chart that you can sustain past 2024. So uh, sometimes I think maybe we make too much of that, but it is important to these quarterbacks because you have to have some plan beyond 2024 and they are going, they they need to have a picture in May of what that looks like for them because that, that impacts their career, and it impacts Ohio State's plan, obviously. And the fact that they can do that after spring, I think, requires you to have a clear picture of how that looks. I, I couldn't agree with
2: you. I, look, this is where the sport is. Uh, we, we're, you're doing, we're all swimming in it at the moment, doing yeah. the best you can yeah. to keep your head above water. But I think the key to this whole thing is you need to be transparent, you need to be honest because otherwise that's when feelings get hurt. And and by the way, buddy, you and I both know that's how the word gets out that you did somebody wrong. So as long as you're honest with somebody and you're honest about the pecking order and you give it a fair shot, I, I think most of these kids have to understand that if if you want the positives of free transfer and NIL and all of those things, the negatives of it are you're going to be in intense position battles and our loyalty is for the team that we put out on the field in 2024 and nothing more.
7: Yeah, and and the players know that. I they mean, have to. nobody knows that nobody knows that better than them. Like they they know they can see talent. They can see guys understanding it. They know who's coming, who's rising, who's who's the answer for them. You know, that's you can't you can't lie to them. You can't lie to the locker room. That's what they always say. Like those guys have the best feel for that. And in, in this day and age, if you're not telling the truth about where a guys stand to keep people involved, well, that that'll have a negative impact on your program in the long run as well. And, and I'm not saying that, like, accusing Ohio State of having done that in the past. That's not oh. That's not my point at all. I'm saying it can't do it that way in March and April because the stakes are so incredibly high at this position. And, and that makes it tough. I understand that. It's difficult. It's delicate. But that's the, that's the game that you're playing and the risk you run if you're going to bring in five guys who are all either the number one, you know, target for you in the portal or four and five star recruits. That's yeah. if you're going to have five of them, you know, that it's going to be difficult, but you're doing that because you would much rather cast the net with that amount of talent than bank on past evaluations that they're going to pay off no matter
2: what. There's, there's no doubt. I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, what is your sense on finishing up this coaching staff?
7: Cash was about a week ago that, I expected there would be an announcement about James Laurinaitis being promoted. I don't yeah. know of anything that has changed since then, that he would take the final um, full-time spot. Uh, for a long time, I, I, my understanding was that the goal was to work on the Larry Johnson transition plan and potentially bring in two defensive line coaches for this year. I'm not sure if – and, and as I mentioned uh, on this show before – like Jason Taylor was the primary and clear top target to do that. I don't know if that's in the cards uh, this offseason, and if it's not, I don't think that Ohio State would just say, well, that's too bad. We'll just definitely do this two-defensive line plan and find somebody else. Like It is going to be really – like that is. those are huge shoes to fill when Larry Johnson uh, eventually does retire, so you don't want to force that if you don't have somebody that you think really fits and you have uh, you know somebody waiting in the wings in, in James who wants to be on the road. You uh, don't. Th- I don't think he ever forced them to. And like, I've got to be full time now, despite the fact that there are other programs at both the college and NFL level waiting to try and hire him uh, mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity. Uh, so, if that's if those are the two options, and you have one that maybe you can't execute that plan right now, and I don't know that for sure, uh, but it doesn't seem like it. Your other option is still pretty appealing by keeping one of the best linebackers in school history on the staff uh, and giving him more power on the recruiting trail and. Eliminating the possibility of teams negatively recruiting against him by saying, "Hey, Great. he's only a GA." There's, you
2: laid it out quite well. Uh, good stuff, <laughs> bud. Appreciate you. All right, see you both. All right, that's Austin Ward right here at the Fan dotting the eyes on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Thing or not a thing? Up, ex-Bishop and friends right here on the Fan.
1: The sound of Paul Keel's calling a Buckeye game is erotic. Oh yes, your home of the Buckeyes, the Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. The uncle you never knew you had. The friends you kind of wish you didn't. This is Bishop and Friends.
2: I right, time a little thing or not a thing. Hit it, fellas. Things or not a thing.
0: Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros.
3: This from John Rothstein. The Big Ten is planning to stay at 20 league games when the league expands to 18 teams and adds UCLA, USC. Oregon and Washington during the 2024-25 season. Multiple sources told College Hoops Today an official announcement is expected. Soon likely the schedule would be 7 home only, 7 away only and 3 home and home. That makes sure you play everybody in the league every year. The conference is also planning to have only 15 teams participate in the Big Ten tournament starting in 2024-25. College Hoops Today previously reported that momentum was growing to have to only have 14 or 15 teams in the Big Ten tournament when the league adds UCLA USC, Oregon, and Washington thing or not a thing.
2: Well, you need how many, that's the minimum requirement you need for the, probably they yeah, the minimum requirement you need for television so that you have, you know, so you have a Wednesday slot, a Thursday slot, a Friday slot, a Saturday slot. Like you need to have all of that television inventory. So 14 or 15, whatever it's going to be, that's the minimum. Requ- like they'll probably play the 14, you know, the 14 versus 15 team plays on a Wednesday, Right, and, and so then they play that play, in. they jump into the bracket. So there's like almost like two playing games because they need the inventory on that. I think it's shameful that they're staying at twenty. You got eighteen teams, man. Be bold. We talk about it in football. Same with basketball. If you're going to play upwards of of forty games, play twenty four league games.
3: Three home and homes is too few. They're fun yeah, to joke. play a team both times on like either yeah, side of the season.
2: I agree.
4: It's it's a big thing. Yeah. I think coaches in the league would be terrified to have to go to
3: twenty two games, twenty two right. league games. They're worried about the wrong stuff. What well, we got to play Central Michigan and right.
2: you play nonsense like Elon <laughs> every year
3: instead. This
4: is a valid point that they bring up every year, and by they I mean Big Ten coaches. How difficult and tough and physical and bruising the league <laughs> yep. is, but it, there is there should be should have been a point where you say okay. And, and then just done this, moving more conference games into the schedule. But I also like the idea that not everybody gets invited to the Big Ten tournament because not everybody needs to be in the no. Big Ten tournament.
2: I would like any of these coaches in the Big Ten who complain about how tough the Big Ten is to just paratroop into the Big 12 for a couple of weeks.
3: Go yeah. play that. Go You're play a basketball
2: team. Just play some basketball games. Play, play some of those teams for a while. See how that goes.
4: According to NFL research, the Baltimore Ravens are 0-23 when trailing by 10 or more points at the half since 2013. That was the year after they won the Super Bowl. Every other team in the NFL has at least one comeback win after trailing by double digits at half in that span. Thing or not a thing?
2: I mean, it's obviously an enormous thing. It's as big a thing as can be because they are... They are a styles for fights team. So when we were talking about the, and we'll fully recap it here in the eleven o'clock hour, of the Chiefs Ravens game. But like we were talking about it earlier in the show, when they got down fourteen nothing, you said that's it. It's done. They they can't scale that mountain because they they aren't dynamic enough in the passing game to be able to do it. And and that was it. So no, it's it's it is the criticism of them. They are really difficult to come back on. If they get a lead, they can salt it out, and they can they can handle their business. And I do think they're heading in the right direction on this. Like I don't, I don't think they're like in some football purgatory where they're never going to be able to do it. But I, at the same time, like this is who they are
3: it's crazy owen 23 trailing by 10 plus points at halftime since 2013 that covers obviously all of lamar's career there and it's not like they haven't been good offensively you know it's changed a little bit this year bringing in todd munkin and in a lot of ways was better this season but you would just think that lamar jackson would be able to will a team to a comeback victory like that at some point in his career with all the things he can do on the football field so to not have that is interesting and then it's you know on top of This is a much more telling stat than that preseason win streak that they had that everybody was enamored with this year that finally, that finally fell. But like, this is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's concerning that you, that every other NFL team has been able to have a comeback of this nature and you guys haven't. So at least it's something that from their standpoint, they can say, well, how do we fix it? (laughs) Like, how do we get to this point where we can have a comeback? And hopefully they get to that and add at least a one into that, that W column. Adam Rittenberg, he had this first. Iowa is expected to hire Tim Lester, the former Western Michigan coach, as offensive coordinator. Lester spent the 2023 season as a Green Bay Packers analyst and was set to take the OC job at Troy. Iowa also strongly considered former Duke OC Kevin Johns. And then I think Roger Sherman, he used to work for the ringer. He had this quote tweet, sums it up nicely. Kirk Ferentz took three months to hire an offensive coordinator and settled on the guy who got fired after finishing 127th out of 131 teams in offensive SMP plus in 2022. Impossibly funny. You couldn't make it up and tweet thing or not a thing.
2: That's a hell of a reveal on the back end of that. Yes. So as you're starting, I'm going, okay, great. This got to be some great offensive mind from the Mac. That's been dominant. No, not, not the case. It's to me. Yeah, I mean, Kirk is, is yours. Kind of, Like this is your this is you the love of your life. Like I, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand that
3: he went out there and I think God is yes man. Somebody's going to come in and run the Kirk Ferentz offense, which is to say no offense. They don't even seem very interested in doing it. And that's what I was worried about the entire time so, with this because it's not that it's not it that like, I'd rather have Brian, Brian Ferentz, Ferentz still. I just yeah, it's it's a but Kirk it wasn't, problem.
2: It, it might not have been a Brian Ferentz problem.
3: And it's a shame because he'll never get an offense coordinator job ever no. again because of it. God, that's
0: crazy.
1: But yeah, just
3: to go from a guy who is the you know worst offensive output to a guy who just a couple of years ago was one of the worst offensive outputs. So maybe a little bit like improvement
2: there. A but, perennial top 20 program, and like this is okay.
3: It's wild. Yeah. And, it, and how long it took, too. The fact that yeah. it took three months to then settle on this guy who was just an analyst for the Packers. It's not like... They had to, you know, fight in this. He was taking other other interviews. Well, he he was taking other interviews. He was set to. So he stole him from Troy. You should feel bad about that.
4: (laughs) But he comes from the NFL. (laughs) Yeah, got a nice one-year car wash there. Absolute smokescreen being thrown on that. (laughs) This is a funny thing. Uh, Just uh, there is one of he is one of one Kirk Ferentz that can get away. Uh, with something as egregious as this. On Friday, Joe Flacco was named a finalist for the AP's Comeback Player of the Year Award. The other finalists were Damar Hamlin, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, and Tua Tungavailoa. Flacco was on CBS Sports Radio and spoke about the honor.
6: I don't necessarily know what I'm coming back from. <laughs> I, probably, I would say most of the guys on that list. I'm not sure what we're coming back from, so that's probably my initial reaction. But I think anytime, time that you're... you know getting recognized in this league for, you know, playing well, I guess, uh, you know, it, it can be flattering. So it, it's a cool group to be a part of, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, that's my initial thought is I'm, I'm not necessarily – I'm just coming back from, you know, what, being old and, you know, not not being on a team for a couple months. So who knows?
4: Flacco then threw his weight behind uh, DeMar Hamlin winning the actual award. Well, yeah. <laughs> you are not a
2: thing. I was going to say, like, one guy came back from dead – so that seems to be like the ultimate – the fact that he's played football, he is unlike the others. So if he's going to be in it, that's the answer regardless of, of what happened on the field.
3: It is funny, though. He pointed out something that I had never really thought about. If you're not coming back from an injury, it is sort of a backhanded compliment to win Comeback Player of the Year. It's like, you were bad, and now, and now you were, were good again. But this reminds me of something. A PFT commenter had this a couple weeks ago. They were talking about it on part of my take, uh, and I saw the clip. They were saying, it's putting a really interesting question in the Comeback Player of the Year conversation because what's harder, coming back from the dead or leading the Cleveland Browns to the, the playoffs? Mm. Which yes. Okay, yeah.
2: That is that is pretty solid. Final hour on a Monday. Up next, we start it with the weekend blitz. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: Love crew soccer? Us 2
2: Let's get married and catch every game
1: together. Proud to be your local home for the black and gold. The Fan, Ohio sports destiny... Oh the best hair on the air. You're listening to
2: Bishop and Friends. Sam Monson, PFF, coming up at the bottom of the hour. Between now and then, we'll get into the Chiefs and the Ravens here shortly at 1120. Right now, we blitz the weekend. Bishop and Friends present a weekend sports blitz. I believe I had that. What'd you have this weekend, Reese? Uh, Northwestern. I didn't bother to watch.
4: I saw the second half at Nebraska, and I was like, "This is, this is going to be a minute before giving you a game you actually want to invest in because it's going to be ugly tomorrow night against
3: Illinois." Mine centers around that as well, but uh, I decided that I wasn't. I decided in the middle of the week that it probably wasn't worth my time to watch then because it was restaurant week down in Dayton as well. We had a later reservation. It was like a 7.30 or something reservation. And I was like, I'm just going to enjoy my brother's birthday dinner and not even worry about the Buckeye basketball team. I'll catch up on it after the dinner. Well, I did catch up on it after the dinner, and I'm glad that I didn't see any of it because I had that it was not going to be a a fun one to watch for Ohio State. Something's wrong with them. They can't win on the road. The last time they went on the road was beating Northwestern last year. It's been over a year since then, and that just seems to be the the streak that they're gonna go on and so now it's four or five that they've lost in this month in in the big 10 and it feels like they're getting dangerously close to that 14 of 15 that they went through last year and you hope it doesn't get that bad yeah but i just don't have a ton of confidence that it's not
2: what was the where'd you eat what was the restaurant
3: it's called jay's it's a seafood place in dayton all
2: right very good
3: i got a uh, greek style swordfish had some feta cheese on top of it and stuff It was very good on a on a little thing of uh spinach
2: this is your brother's choice if it was, it my, was his birthday.
3: Or well, it was, just... it was. I don't know if he picked it. I think my parents picked it because it was all, my mom's birthday's in two weeks. Our anniversary was this week, so it was kind of a combined birthday. But his birthday was you. actually just yesterday, so it was more his birthday dinner than anything.
2: All right. um I, I, had, I got, had both the championship games. They they went the way that I thought that they would uh, with, with Kansas City winning and covering. Obviously, they were underdogs, and I never am going to ever bet against Mahomes again, ever. I've learned my lesson. I'm done with that. Um, so that went the way that, that I thought it would. And then the, uh, the 49ers winning, but the Lions keeping it close. Now, there was the moment where it almost went the other way because the way that Dan Campbell played the second half, but he did get the touchdown on the fourth down in the last minute that got him to cover city and so um while the the script in the nine, in, in both games were probably not the way that I saw it I probably didn't see Chiefs and Ravens being a 17-10 game and I didn't see the other one being 24 to 7 and then 31 to and all of the thing, or 24, I guess, all of those things, 34-24, all the things that happened in the games, the results are as I expected them to be with these two teams playing for the Super Bowl. Uh Didn't have it. What didn't you have, Reese? BYU
4: telling students to remove shirts that said, horns down on them. The oh fact that God. an opponent in the Big 12 is acquiescing to these Charmin Soft losers. Like, the Cougars won that game 84-72, to 72, and BYU's ranked 21 in the country and at the first media timeout, there were students in the front row of the student section that had horns down, H-O-R-N-S-D-O-W-N. There's nothing wrong with that, but the it's fact that B- B- holger, BYU yeah.
3: asked their students to take
4: them That's off. It's a joke.
2: It's a joke. Bro. I don't know how Texas has infiltrated
4: doing people this? in
3: the conference to care about this. Like, it, <laughs> yes. and if anything, it should just make people want to do yes. more, and it is making people You should hand do more. out
4: t-shirts that say horns down if you're a Big 12
3: school.
2: is after you?
3: Is Texas going to no, put enough on. pressure that BYU is going to have to add "no horns down" by any student into their like honor code? Doesn't so you, matter they, at this they, point, they can't have hot but... drinks and you can't have horns down shirts. Jeez, it's awful. Um, I didn't have another NBA player going for 70, so when I woke up Saturday morning and saw that Luca had <laughs> dropped 73 and I'm like, wait, two 70 point games in the same week and it was he needed all of them, well, just a 148 to 143 win over the Hawks for the Mavs in that one. And then later reading about it, only 15 70 point games in NBA history and two mm. of them
2: in the last week. Well, it happened last year too, didn't it? Because wasn't Lillard and Donovan Mitchell both get seventy? Yeah, Booker has a seventy order. from
3: a few years ago too, Booker's right? Booker got a
2: seventy, and the other like Booker had sixty two over the week last weekend and or last week, and Towns was in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Like these do tend to come in bunches a little bit when it happens. Um, I did not, I did not have what happened to Beams fourth grade team months. It was crazy what happened. So we. The, the foul, the final foul tote was, uh, us fouls committed 24, op- opposition fouls committed 10. Okay, so that's a pretty big discrepancy. At one point, I even went to the official. I said, I just want you to look at what's happening here. Uh, Beamsy he fouled out with five minutes and 46 seconds left. He's never fouled out in his life. Uh, my other lead guard had four fouls in the game. The officials gave the opposition back to back jump balls in under two minutes. And their excuse for it was, is the guy running the clock didn't switch it. I'm like, well, that's your job. Now, this is it. This is what we're doing, but it's even worse than that. So, tie game, 10, 30 seconds left. I call a timeout, my last timeout of the game. Uh, we're going to shoot it with about seven seconds. We're going to go and we get, they're pressing and we, 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 uh, we get the ball inbounded. My guard is at, at probably about eight feet from the midcourt line going downhill towards the other rim. And the referee calls 10 second violation and they stop it. And the clock read 22. <laughs> so he called a 10 second violation in eight seconds, and I pointed at the clock. He goes, "Coach, that was a 12 second violation, not according to the clock." You, I mean, you you can't have it both ways. All of that to say, and then we lost at the buzzer. We so, lost the shot at the buzzer. So, so the ref is counting on was his outrageous. own
3: counting. You know, where they oh do the God. hand instead of what the actual time That's says. Right. So it, okay, the scores table doesn't change the possession, and that one, eh, nothing we can do about it. Scores table runs the clock correctly. Ah, but and that's that not—that's not correct.
2: <laughs> situational choosing of when we're going to pay it. It was crazy. It was you, you, everyone's doing the best they can, but it was nuts. Uh, it was absolutely nuts. I felt bad. The kids were the ones who ended up losing in it. Uh, player who impressed the most this weekend, Reese. Who do you got? Pretty sure
4: again, because well, we'll do the NFL tomorrow. It's Luca, yeah. and nobody's really close. I mean, he scored four, or six, or forty of them
3: in the first half. I would also say he probably doesn't need to get his ass on a treadmill like that fan. the Devin Booker Jersey told him the other day, I think he's doing okay. Looks like he's figured out this basketball thing. Player impressed the most. Travis Kelsey this whole postseason especially and you know because it was like the thought of like as ah, he slowing down a little bit he is getting old he's in his mid 30s but no in the playoffs he's been spot on he had that TD like almost like a shoestring catch falling backwards into the end zone great throw great catch later in the game he breaks the reception record for NFL postseason history Anytime you pass Jerry Rice on a list you're, you're doing something right and then the NFL gets what they want Taylor Swift is finally at the Super Bowl <laughs> it all works out
2: yeah, it, it kind of checked every box. Um, more of a specifics on, on some of the NFL stuff tomorrow when we blitz the NFL, but I, I did want to bring up Jamison Williams because this is what they drafted him to be. And yes, it would have been nice. That was a tough one, the, the drop in the end zone. It, that was a tough one. It, it almost felt like the, the defender's arm kind of grazed his as the ball was coming down, which, which caused him not to be able to get his hands on it. Um, but his ability is something that they didn't really get a chance to use this year in terms of his speed and take the top off and all of those things. And he was really good uh, in the game yesterday when they needed him to be. And I I think it it points to what could be a very fun Lions team and a very sustainable run. Uh, Player who disappointed, Reese. So this wasn't a player.
4: uh, This is an executive of a wrestling company, Triple H. Um, Last week, if you haven't heard about the Vince McMahon lawsuit, the newest sexual assault lawsuit, ...filed against Vince McMahon. This one includes sexual trafficking. Um, This has been a problem with him for them for decades. Mm -hmm. And he was finally dismissed as uh, a board member of the WWE. And Triple H, I thought at the end of the Royal Rumble on Sunday, which is their second biggest event of the year, had a really good chance to step out in front of this and say exactly what they're doing to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. To prove or to at least say to everybody because there were a lot of eyeballs on this for that reason like nobody's interested in his thoughts on who won the royal rumble or their championship his father-in-law had another sexual assault lawsuit come against him and he was asked just point blank um a question that he should have been asked and he should have been prepared for
1: did you read the lawsuit that came out this week and if you did what was your reaction to it i did not i did not um i think cody mentioned it that we all found out real time when you were um And that's the truth. Um, I'll I'll go back to what I said before. This this is an amazing week for us. And I just, at this point, I don't even want to get bogged down in the negatives of it. I just want to focus on the positives and where we're going. And we're at the most exciting time of the year for us. We're at the most exciting point to me business-wise, I think, that we've ever had. Ufta.
4: It's a PR lesson for you out there on how to not handle things like that. Hasn't McMahon stepped funny down say, from CEO twice in yes, two years? Yes, and they voted yeah, to yeah. bring him back last year.
2: This is the first time that no McMahon is in that is is involved in the company at all. Like Steph's not in it, so nobody's in it. Um, I, I do love it when anybody in a crisis says, I just want to focus on the positives. Look, dude, we all do, but there's responsibility.
3: And actually you should be focusing on the yeah. negatives because you got to figure this out. And his
2: father-in-law and the guy Triple H isn't in that
4: position without Vince McMahon being his father-in-law.
2: And that's why he said what he said because guess who still controls the purse strings of the operation. Yeah. Not the WWE but in terms of personal wealth accumulation.
3: Setting the table before I get to who disappointed me the most during the game because we're, we're talking about the Super Bowl coming up obviously and Jayla asked me she's like are there big halftime shows for the for the AFC and NFC championship and I'm I I was like, ah, there will be if they ever bring them to neutral sites that they're talking about. But it's probably just too hard logistically because you don't know where the game's going to be. You don't know what the weather's going to be. It could be in Baltimore. It could be in Kansas City. It could be in Buffalo. That would be really hard to set up. But then it comes back, and I was looking on Twitter. Apparently, T-Pain performed at halftime of the Ravens and Chiefs game. And I was like, I would have loved to see that. So my most disappointing is CBS for not just showing T-Pain. God tried to give you a sign by turning the lights out on their little desk during the halftime show. So just put T-Pain on. I would have loved to see little T-Pain. Instead, they just watch guys in suits say the same old stuff back and forth.
2: That's true, yeah. Uh, most disappointed for me, my guy Bill Maher. I, I love his show on HBO on Friday night. It's something that I look forward to every week. He's one of the few people that will have people from both sides. He's had DeSantis and Newsom on in the last couple of months. He had Stephen A. on. Usually his panel's made up of one left, one right, and the, the arguments are to be heard on both sides. It's, it's kind of the one of the last places where that's done. He had Stephen A. on on Friday, and it was one of the damnedest things. He went on this rant about DeMar Hamlin and how football players should have played after he was taken off the field. And it was clear that he had no point of reference of the fact that DeMar Hamlin died on the field and they witnessed it. And that when he left the field, there was still thought that he was going to die. He had no point of reference. He's like, football players are tough. They should just play anyway. And I'm like, man, you were, it's like he didn't do that, the research, that, that which is something Stephen he A. always does. Yeah. No, no, no. Bill did Bill. it. Okay. And Stephen A. kept trying to stop him. And Bill just kept... He actually at one point said, well, no, let me finish to Stephen A. And I'm like, well boy, you're wrong on all of this. And normally he's so well-versed in everything, but he was lost uh, on that one. It's like sure. he picked
3: a point and just kept yes. going with it regardless any, of what like, the actual details were.
2: And also without the research of like, yeah. oh, I have this really wrong. Bud Kilmer, Honorary Coach of the Week, Reese. JB Bickerstaff
4: of the Cavaliers. So Evan Mobley's back at Cab Shootaround today, but they're 9-1 in their last 10. Um, I don't know if Jared Allen did enough to earn All-Star nod, but donovan mitchell certainly did maybe not a starter um, but that team's playing really well despite not having darius garland and evan mobley for a long stretch but that could be some help on the horizon for them and they're fifth in the east right now
3: i uh i quote the great harry dunn just when i think you couldn't be any stupider you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself let's hear it for Kirk Ferentz he did who it. has good boy. he has taken over the University of Iowa he does whatever he wants he's never going to get fired and he hired Tim Lester you don't know who Tim Lester is well he coached the fourth worst offense at Western Michigan a few years ago and now he's going to coach the Iowa offense good job fantastic. Kirk
2: fantastic job uh, i'm going to go Chris Collins here he was hired there to get them to a tournament that's a tough job they have overseen, and now they've got an incredible home court with, with what they've done to the field house over there. And and now he's they're going to make the tournament again this year. Like He's made Northwestern a very respectable basketball program, and that's something I don't know that anybody thought was something that was possible at that place because it's been one of the worst jobs in, in all of the sport. Uh, the Chiefs and Ravens game was another classic. It didn't look the way I think a lot of us thought it did, but it delivered in every way. We'll get to the breakdown coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: If you miss a live show, you can catch the podcast. If you miss the podcast, our hosts have volunteered to have dinner with you. Ma, the meatloaf. The mm. knows many people. He talks to the interesting ones on this show. This is Bishop and Friends.
2: And gear up with the Typico Sportsbook and get in on the betting action with the playoff football, the hoops, and so much more, even the hockey. Take advantage of the massive odds boosts on all of your favorite teams and players for the biggest payouts. Try out their new Flex Parlay system. Cash in now on your bets, even if you miss a leg or two of those. Claim you lose sign-up bonus now. Get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter the promo code the Fan 100 to get a $100 bonus. Download the Typico Sportsbook app today. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that. Um, this one, I guess I'll ask both of you guys. Reese, did you, did you think that Baltimore had a chance once they were down 14 nothing? No. Chops?
3: I There was a lot of times in the second half where I was like, okay, they, we've got a game if they can
4: score here. I but, thought that yeah. several times too, but at no point when they were down, uh, yeah, the, those two scores, I was like, this game's over. Now Baltimore could make it fun, sure, but they weren't winning.
3: Yeah, but... It, it, the feeling that did go away because the game and now like Reese said earlier in the show it ended up being super entertaining football because it was good ball you could tell mm-hmm. you know you know when you can see it um but i thought oh are we in shootout territory when kc scored on their first possession and then the ravens answered and then no it really slowed down after yeah. that defensively
2: yeah it did i the um the inevitability of the chiefs was was just something and and the way that they started the game it just felt like this is the way this thing is going to go, and they, they handle their business. Um, Andy Reid, back in a Super Bowl, another AFC title for him. Obviously, their goal every year is to win the Super Bowl. Here's Andy Reid on that.
7: Uh,
1: one thing, Valle, it's tough to back-to-back-to-back to back to back seasons. That's a tough thing. You played a lot of football games, and you've got to work through that. you got to work through that mentally. That's not an easy thing. I'm so happy for the guys and how they how they handled that. When it came time to put the hammer down, they put the hammer down, which was which was important. And the best part is we're not done. We, we've got another game, and you love these seasons to carry on as long as they can possibly carry on. And and we're there. And now we have got to get right back at it.
2: He's he, he's just football guy in every way. Like he just wants to coach as many games as he can and keep going and going and going. And now he's got this ultimate toy in Mahomes, and it's. He's gonna go till he can't. It's crazy how like
3: you know, and it was it was a great career accolade. How impressive it was that Andy Reid brought the the Eagles to four straight NFC championships, and you know that broke or you know put him in some sort of record book and stuff. And now he's just six straight years with the yeah. Chiefs. Like, yeah, he guy knows Paul and you can see it in their offensive stuff. Did you see the one play where it was technically a backwards pass to Kelsey? And I don't know if Kelsey was just trying to fake out the safety, but it was like an it was like a run pass option for Kelsey. At yep. that point, he pump faked it, and I was like, right, maybe the guy was open, he actually would have thrown it, but instead just goes forward, and he picked up like four yards and got a first down. But it's just that kind of stuff that stands out in those games, and then we'll have both of those teams, because the 49ers are another team that have things that stand out offensively, so that's a nice Super Bowl matchup. I was trying to think of the exact
4: moment I knew it was over for Baltimore, and I think it was when Kelsey catches that touchdown pass, like it has to turn around like opposite. The way your yeah. body would normally in a situation, like the first touchdown Kansas City scores against Kyle Hamilton, and I think that was the first touchdown he'd given up to like a tight end all season. At that point, I'm like, well, you're not coming back from that.
2: It's interesting. Uh, Andy is fourth all time in wins. He's uh, in NFL history. Got 258. He's passed Tom Landry this year for fourth on the list. He's so Belichick's at 302. He's third, then Hallis, and then Shula at 328. So. The Shula number is probably not one that's attainable for him, but with Belichick not coaching next year, Reed absolutely can get to him. I mean, that's four more seasons. They're playing 17 games a season now. He's going to win 10 or 11 games, sometimes 12 every time he's got Mahomes and he gets these postseason wins that start to stack on it as well. So. It's, it's all very much in play for him to go on a, on a long run. And, and Mahomes is, he's 65 too. So like it's, he's not in his seventies or anything. He could easily go another five to seven years, provided he has the health to be able to do it. I do think this Chiefs team reveled in the idea of being the underdog. Here's Mahomes on that.
7: Just going into two hostile environments, having to come together as a team and and to win those games and and hold that trophy, it really was special. But if I had my choice, I'd rather do it at Arrowhead. So we'll try, after we go through the Super Bowl and hopefully win it, we're going to try to get it back at Arrowhead next year. He
2: loved it. He loved going on the road, man. Well it was
3: was so cool the way that they were able to like slow play both games and say, We don't need Mahomes to go out there and pass for four hundred yards and four touchdowns. We can get a lead and we can we can figure out a way to to make this work and just do enough on offense. And, you know, I'm giving a lot of accolades to their offense here, but to be fair, the Ravens, it's hard to decide. Did the Ravens figure out the Chiefs' offense in the second half, or did the Chiefs purposely just kind of take their foot off the gas because they were trying to manage the game in front of them? And I'm not sure which is which, but the the defense did a really good job after giving up that 17 points early.
2: Baltimore's really good. Yeah. So I, yeah, think, their I defense, think both
3: defenses yeah.
4: were able to make the proper second-half adjustments
2: and i also think that you had a kansas city team that was like we might be good at 17 like we don't need to press like you knew mahomes time. wasn't going to turn it over <clears throat> correct you hoped he's going to play clean lamar wouldn't either yeah yeah but you knew patrick was not going to throw a pick you knew he wasn't going to turn it over so like to me it just felt like they just salted it away you know mm-hmm. it never felt like they needed to do anything more than than what they did i you know i i think it's a it's an awesome season for Baltimore. Um, and they're not going anywhere. Like they're, this isn't like the Bills situation. We got cap hell. Like they're going to be around and be in the mix for a while. This will be something next year that will have a lot of pressure for them. But I think for this year, a really remarkable season considering where they were a year ago when, when Lamar was going to walk, or at least that was the thought. Here's John Harbaugh on his team in his season.
5: It was a team that had a lot of
8: challenges. You know, I don't think it was a team that was too highly touted coming into the season by by the pundits and the prognosticators and all that and I think they proved a lot of people wrong all year quarterback made statement all year uh so many players so many players that had so much to prove I think of a guy like John Simpson you know just off the top of my head who had so much to prove and come in and play the way he did um you know uh Jadavian Clowney Kyle Kyle Van Noor just two guys that came in late you know that that uh you know, it didn't seem like anybody else wanted, right? And they came in and played the way they did. So uh, there's so many stories on this team, so many individual stories. The message is to, you know, is, is you know, eyes straight ahead, you know, your chin up, your chest out, and uh, and understand what you what you did accomplish.
3: Ultimately, yeah. the Ravens just made too many mistakes in this game, and that's they what did. we're talking about. Yeah. Mahomes doesn't make those.
2: No, and they're going to be able to run it back because Monkin will be back as offensive coordinator. Uh, we'll see about McDonald. He may end up going to Seattle, but. If not, they could could run this whole operation back and and be right back in the mix. They're they're not going anywhere. Uh, Get some perspective on Championship Sunday with our buddy Sam Monson, PFF's lead NFL analyst, coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: The Big Nine was a sad, incomplete place. Enter Ohio State. The rest is history. The Buckeye Show.
0: Weeknights at 6.
1: The Fan. Us. First Friday miracles are always better with Uncle Bo. This is Bishop and Friends.
2: All right, let's get some perspective on Championship Sunday and also the Browns reported new offensive coordinator Hiring with Sam Monson, good buddy from PFF, lead analyst, PFF NFL podcast host, one of the best in the business. Sam, thanks for taking the time. Let's start on Championship Sunday, and I learned my lesson last week. I I actually bet on Buffalo, and I've never bet against Mahomes ever, and I, I, I felt there's an inevitability to him. He is so damn good in the postseason, and they didn't need him to throw for 300 yesterday, but every play they needed, he made. What did you make of the Chiefs' approach yesterday in Baltimore, and conversely, Baltimore's approach to that second half?
8: Yeah, I thought both defenses in that game were phenomenal. Um, But the difference is, you're right, Mahomes in the playoffs is inevitable. And the stats aren't great, but you look at what happened on third down, and every time they needed a play, Mahomes found one. Um, It was a really impressive performance from him. You know, late in the game when they're trying to ice it away, he has the confidence to go back to a guy like Valdez Scantling Who's let him down in the regular season multiple times this year and still gave him the ball, gave him the chance, and they made the play. So his postseason numbers are ridiculous at this point. Forget the fact that his baseline in his career is reaching the AFC Championship game and, you know, his wins and losses and all those kinds of things. His numbers across the board get better in the playoffs. His turnover-worthy play rate drops more than a full percentage point in postseason play to a level that would be the best in the NFL in a regular season, most years against the best defenses in the NFL, against the best teams in the NFL. So when the lights go on and Mahomes needs to get it done, he does tangibly raise his game <clears throat> to a different level. And I'm with you. I think at that point, the chiefs are never a team to bet against.
2: No, you can't. I mean, I, I learned hard, hard lesson. I went with my heart thinking Buffalo, would maybe get it. No, not historically, historically, I mean, you've been charting this for a long time. I mean, like, we we use the word inevitable with him in terms of the way that he elevates compared to what is already an absurd baseline. It, is it Brady, like, in, in those New England stuff? Because this is heavy stuff. This is six straight AFC Championship games, now four Super Bowls, chasing his third title.
8: Yeah, it feels very similar to Tom Brady and the Patriots, right? I mean, they had seasons where they didn't seem overwhelming and they didn't absolutely dominate everybody in the regular season. And there was a feeling of, well, maybe this is a, you know, a down year for the Patriots. They're going to win 11, 12 games, make the playoffs, but they're beatable this year. And then they would get to the postseason, and any time Tom Brady and the Patriots had a chance, they would just up their game. They didn't make a mistake, and other teams did. Other teams tightened up, and somehow they found their way through to an AFC championship or a Super Bowl again. That's what Mahomes and and the Chiefs are. They've sort of found this level of it might not look perfect in the regular season, but they're so good, they're going to make the playoffs again. And even if they have to go on the road, they're going to figure it out by the time the postseason rolls around, and then they're not going to make the mistakes that other teams might. And that really was the story of the game yesterday. Mahomes and the Chiefs really didn't make many mistakes at all, and the Ravens made a lot more than they normally did or in the regular season, and that changed the outcome. Big picture,
2: for from the Baltimore perspective, uh, Buffalo's got. It does feel like to me. It felt like Buff. I don't know if you feel this way. For me, it felt like this was kind of the the end of that. This looking run for Buffalo. Their roster will be potentially dramatically different next year. Baltimore feels like this could. This is just a, a first big step. And I'm I'm curious from your vantage point as you watch them all season, the Todd Munkin effect on on Lamar and then Lamar's own personal growth from the player that that we used to see the player we saw this season. How
8: substantial was it? I think it was significant. Um, obviously we're talking about a guy that's, that's won a unanimous, a, a unanimous MVP award in his career so far. So he, he's already set pretty high standards yeah. in the past, but this was the best version, I think, of Lamar Jackson we've seen certainly since that season and maybe ever. It may have been a better version of him than that performance, even if, you know, the numbers and, and the accolades won't necessarily seem the same, but it was a more complete picture of Lamar Jackson. And this was really the first game where any team had answers for that offense and for what Lamar was capable of doing. And even in this game, there's a couple of plays in there that Lamar makes that, you know, otherwise the game wouldn't have even been close. The, the touchdown to uh, Zay flowers. I mean, Lamar Jackson should have been sacked on that play. Leo Chanel had him in the headlights and he wasn't able to get him to the ground. And not only did it not end up as a negative play for the offense, it ended up becoming a touchdown because of what Lamar Jackson can do. So, he was absolutely spectacular this season. And, you know, maybe he came up short in this game in terms of there were a couple of plays that he could have made and he didn't, or a play that he did make that he shouldn't have in terms of the, the, the interception into triple coverage. But he also didn't get helped. You know, I think the Ravens' game plan, the fact that they abandoned the run so mm-hmm. early and so completely, didn't help him uh, make that, those plays and win that game but i think you have to look at what the ravens have done this season and say the the future looks bright for them because yeah. the offense was better the defense was better even if um you know a coach gets poached away in the off season it it still should be an upward trajectory for them
2: yeah it certainly feels that way the the nfc game was was a classic. It had it all. Big, big lead for the Lions. Um, obviously, Dan Campbell being raked over the coals. I, I don't have a problem with it. I think you got to be who you are. Um, did, is there anything that you would change about the way Campbell coached the second half?
8: No, not really. I, I think if you're going to have a coach that has made a career so far out of being aggressive on fourth down and, and going for those plays, you can't then complain when it doesn't work. I mean, he's he's gained more win percentage points than anybody else in the NFL in the regular season with that kind of attitude. So it, it makes sense to stick with it. In fact, if you wanted to criticize, criticize him for those decisions, the one to criticize him for may be the one before halftime where he actually did deviate from it and kicked the field goal instead. Like what if he had, instead of kicking the field goal, gone for touchdown right before half from whatever it was, the three-yard line? Yeah, That could have been the difference between winning and losing the other way. Like, if he'd scored a touchdown there, that's four points. Forget the three that everybody's looking for for a 45-yard field goal or whatever it was. That would have been an extra four points, and instead he did get more conservative than he usually would lean and took the points, took the field goal, took the three. So, look, I think this is who Dan Campbell is. He's playing percentages. He's using analytics. He's using win percentage points, and it's it's like poker. You know, the idea is to be of mathematically correct most of the time. It doesn't mean that you're going to win every hand. You're going to have to play it over the long haul. It's like the
2: swinger scene with Favreau and Vaughn, right? Always double down on an 11. Well, not in this instance. Uh, it's kind of that type of thing, Sam. Um, this, this 49, two incredible, uh, clutch second halves for Brock Purdy the last two weeks. He needed all of it. Uh, they have so many weapons, so diverse, but they got down big in this game. I don't think they can afford to do that against Kansas City. What, what is your, your read on that one early here, a couple of weeks out?
8: Well, we just talked about it before. I mean, I don't think, I don't see how you can make Patrick Mahomes an underdog for this kind of game, given what we've just seen from them over the last couple. I think they should be the favorites, even though the 49ers, I think, have opened as a slight favorite. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think the 49ers need this game to stay within reach and they need to have, you know, a neutral game script situation for that offense to function the way it, it does at its best. But I think it's big for them that the last couple of games haven't gone that way. And they at least know now they're capable of that kind of comeback. Previously, you know, there were all those crazy statistics of Shanahan had never come back from even five points down entering the fourth quarter. It was 0-30 before that Green Bay game. And then this one, you know, the comeback was kind of achieved before the fourth quarter. But the same thing, they were down big, and that's when that offense usually doesn't function the way it, it uh, does at its best and they were able to come back against the Lions as well. So I think those two games are really big psychologically for everybody in the 49ers and for Brock Purdy, who remember is still in the second year and hasn't got that wealth of experience to draw back on whether or not it was because the Lions defense isn't great. And Joe Barry's defense got really soft at the most critical time in Purdy's eyes. You know, he made that comeback that he, he became clutch. So, for them, I think it, it's been two big games to at least give them some psychological armor against a team like Kansas City, who's the one team in this postseason that has no like psychological damage whatsoever. They are firmly convinced that they are going to win every game they go into, and it's difficult to argue with that.
2: Yeah, it feels like they have the answer to the test you know with with 15 every no matter what the test is they have it uh sam i want to ask you about ken dorsey and the browns and the hire there do you like the fit and uh, my read on it would be that Kevin Stavancy's not giving up play calling but i could be wrong
8: i think it's a very interesting fit because of that um the the browns offensive coordinator job and in fact the head coaching job now is a unique one in the nfl because the task isn't you know what is the best offense we can create it's not even what is the best version of kevin stefanski's offense can can we create you know is the play calling better off in somebody's hands it's what is the best offense we can create to rescue deshaun watson because Mm -hmm. they're stuck with him you know they, they can't get away from that there's no stop date like there is with the russell wilson contract where you can say okay when does it become palatable to move on from him, even factoring in the idea that it's going to be the biggest dead hat cap hit in the NFL, uh, in history, they are stuck with him. So they, whoever they bring in and whoever is tasked with sort of creating that offense, the job is what is the best version of Deshaun Watson? Can we create, forget everything else that is now the game plan. And, and, I don't actually know whether that means Dorsey is going to be, you know, given the play calling duties on that or if Stefanski is going to keep that part of it. And Dorsey's job will be more big picture and and trying to sort of give Stefanski like this is what it should look like game day. Now go out there and call the game. But it's a very um, difficult gig that those two have got to put their heads together and, and create this offense.
2: Yeah, not a coincidence that the best the offense has looked since Stefanski's been there was with Flacco, who's comfortable with his back behind his be- the, to the defense, and Watson's isn't, and that's that's a problem. Certainly, uh, Sam, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Greatly appreciate you on a busy Monday. Thanks for giving us some of your time today.
8: Anytime, take it easy, guys.
2: All right, that's Sam Monson, PFF uh, lead NFL analyst on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We've got a giveaway for you. It is cheap trick. It is heart. Uh, they're going to be at the Schottenstein Center on Wednesday, May 15th. Uh, winner's going to get two tickets to Seahart uh, and Cheap Trick. Uh, let's go. Number four caller at eight two one ninety seven ten scoops those up. Three things on a Monday. Coming up next, Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
1: This promo is brought to you by Common Man and Timmy Hall's Ping Pong Game. Uh, uh, the Fan. Uh, um. Putting up with Tom bury for a decade, the broadcast gods gave Bo these two. This is Bishop and Friends.
2: All right, Reese, we got a winner there? Do we
0: have a winner?
4: Uh, we do. Congratulations, Ronald. Good job, Ronnie. You're going to see Heart and Cheap Trick Wednesday, May 15th at the Schottenstein Center. We'll have a pair of tickets to give away every day this week on this program. There
2: you go. And what do we have in the poll?
4: Daily Fan Poll sponsored by ER Auto Care, Masters of Our Craft. Today's Daily Fan Poll asks, which team had the toughest loss this weekend? Jackets, basketball, Buckeyes, Lions, or the Ravens? And by the Buckeyes, I mean the men's basketball team, because... Ohio State's women's squad won at Purdue yesterday, but right yeah, now, the Daily Fan poll Lions had the worst loss on the weekend at sixty five percent of respondents saying
3: so. There's hurts it's the, the most. Gut, yeah. It's a, the
2: biggest gut punch for sure. You know, you, you feel like you're there. You know, you feel like you feel like you're right there. And so who 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 are the franchises who have not been to the Super Bowl that have been in the league as long as the Super Bowl has been around? Just the Browns and the Lions?
3: And My the Browns even happen. have a few years where they didn't exist, so it's really kind of only the Lions.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I maybe it is. Just, yeah, that's true. If you want to use the technique, yeah, because the Lions, the Browns became the Ravens. Um, all right, three things. Hit it. One, two, one, two,
5: three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort.
2: Number one for me, uh, after the NFC game finished yesterday, I was looking for something to basically take me to the 11 o'clock hour, which is is bedtime, lights out. And uh, one of the channels in in the cable tier, the local channels, had Yellowstone, had a Yellowstone rerun on, and they're, like, replaying it. And the episode featured, the end of it featured Lloyd, I mean, guess what? Everyone's trying to take the ranch. Beth warning her dad, you're going to lose it for nothing, all of that stuff, which we've seen a lot. But then it had Lloyd and Rip at, sitting in at a bar sucking down some yellow jackets and uh, Walker is playing guitar uh, acro- across the other way and Lloyd turns around and he goes, isn't he supposed to be dead? And it occurred to me that like, Taylor Sheridan, story arcs, they're relevant. <laughs> Doesn't matter. If he likes, he can do whatever he wants. Guys, now I know that they didn't kill him in the episode, but like, it just was a reminder of just how incoherent and how he would start storylines and just quit them. Remember John Dutton had cancer in the first season and then they changed it to, that he didn't? I mean, we never even heard about it again. Like, crazy. I, so I just—I I really enjoyed the show. I don't know if we'll ever see it again, but my God, was it incoherent at times.
3: Soap opera started on the radio, moved to daytime TV, then moved to primetime TV, and yeah. now they said, well, what if we just made him for men, too?
2: That's it. It's just a soap opera
3: for men. Because we love them. I mentioned going out to dinner for my brother's birthday. So two things from that. The first one here, um, my mom ordered a Manhattan and ordered it up. And I was like, you know what? That sounds kind of cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to order the Manhattan up, too, and -hmm. and match the order of my mom. And actually, not probably going to do it every time. But if I'm at a nicer place, I think I'm going to mix that in a little bit. My favorite part is when you finish it. You just crank it all the way back, and the cherries roll right down the glass, and you you get those too as a little dessert on top of it. So Manhattan up definitely going to be on the menu for me every once in a while. It's good both ways, man. Manhattan's good both ways. It's going to be a light sports night. So can I
4: interest you in jazz Nets NBA basketball? No. What about if I threw in Ben Simmons, Ooh, who's been sidelined since November 6th uh, with a nerve injury in his back? The gonna, back is back. In 20 minutes, he's going to give you a 4, 5, and 2. <laughs>
2: I think I'm probably good. Uh, number two for me, that this this weather is just complete trash. Like this gray, rainy, sometimes slushy, awful. We're walking into Whole Foods yesterday to get some groceries. The boys are gonna grab some lunches. We're walking in. It's kind of like rainy and gross. And uh, I look at Beam's. And I said, well, "What do you think about this weather, dude?" And he goes, "I just want to go to California right now." That's what. Well, yeah, same. it's nice. We are, same brother. I feel you. It's good that
3: he's that young and already <laughs> wants to be out of it yeah. that quickly. Uh, second one for me, one of the gifts my brother got uh, for his birthday. His girlfriend got him like the one of the VR headsets that you know you can play games on and stuff. And so he downloaded like a little bowling game so we could all try it. And it, one, it's like crazy how immersive it is. Like when you have the headset on and then like you take it off and you're just like back in, in the room. It's it's really weird. But two. Somebody has to hold the dogs because I hit two of the three dogs in the head because they kept running up to me as I was trying to do my bowling motion. So you got to keep an eye on the dogs if you throw on the VR headset.
2: Number three for – oh, no, sorry, Reese, go ahead, Reese.
3: It's also going to be a late sports weekend. He'll have the Mm -hmm. Senior Bowl Saturday
4: in Mobile, Alabama. That's a 1 o'clock start. It's the unofficial start of hand-size season. So Washington's (laughs) Michael Penix had his left hand measured yesterday, and it was 10 and 3 eighths of an inch. Very large for someone his size. Remember, Kenny Pickett,
2: eight and five-eighths inches. Oh, boy. There you go. There you go. Finally, for me, it is pretty remarkable when you give some time to think about it that a guy who played center, a guy from Cleveland Heights, Ohio, who played center at Cincinnati and the Philadelphia Eagles, and his younger brother, who played tight end at Cincinnati and the Kansas City Chiefs, have become the faces of the NFL, or at least co-faces of the NFL. That this has happened. is it? It's a, a tribute to, obviously, they're both great, they're going to be gold jackets, but these are typically not the positions where you rise to a, a place of prominence. And they've done so. And yeah, the Taylor Swift stuff with Travis helped certainly a little bit, but they were headed this way anyway. With the podcast and with everything else, it's a hell of a story. And it's it really goes against all type of what typically you're looking for when you think about the faces of the league
3: that reminds me of something that I'll make this my third thing cuz we you know we joked about the conspiracy theory of the the NFL are they going to do they give it away with the colors in the Super Bowl logo yeah. but like the idea that Taylor Swift decided to date Travis Kelsey to, like, increase her profile. Like, that's just people not understanding the situation. Taylor Swift is, like, the most famous person in the world. She did not need Travis Kelsey to lift her profile. She
2: was she's worth 1. 1. $1.5 billion. <laughs> she's doing all right. Speaking
4: of profiles, over the weekend, uh, the Mona Lisa was vandalized by food protesters. They threw Awful. soup but there's bulletproof glass in front of it so the painting wasn't damaged. Go take a look at some of the images. I think the Mona Lisa, which is very overrated, that exhibit actually looks better with soup
2: splattered all over. (laughs) You might be right. Coach Holtman Show coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Bishop and Friends are here on The panel.
1: men and bones stupid in real life? Yes. Yes they are. Common man and T-bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The fan. Peace, peace, peace. It's a fan action update.
6: This action update is brought to you by ESPN Bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 49ers were as high as 4-1 to to come back and beat the Lions when they trailed in the third quarter. But they pull off the upset and now they are the ESPN Bet Super Bowl favorites over the Chiefs. For the Lions, teams leading by 17 or more at halftime in conference championship games were 21-0. Now that number is 21-1. For your ESPN Action Update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Broadcasting
0: from
1: the Lindsay Honda Studios.
0: Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com.
1: WBNSFM. HD1.